You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Boys and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Stadium Miguel. It's Uncle Silk. It's your boy, the All-American, 35, senior. And after seeing Post Malone, it's your postman, Dan Thompson. Postman, Dan Thompson, and the All-American, 35. Yes, sir. We back another week, same corner, same time. What's the vibe? What'd you get into, Dan? You know, no, first, let's get into Ahmad. Ahmad had a... Had, yeah, Ahmad he, had a bigger week than I he's did. He's a senior now. Yeah. Man, he's I'm, a, I'm a, I'm a my black senior now. So uh, Wednesday morning at 8:58 a.m., uh, a my black junior was born. Uh, he was uh, eight pounds six ounces and 21 inches long. So, uh, baby boy, an, a, a, another Gator um, is uh, is in in the world, man. Another my black. So, you know, the sequel. There you go. I like I like all that energy, man. So, what was it like, man? Were you nervous? Um, uh, yeah, it was it was weird. You know, my wife had to have a C-section, so uh, um, because she had one with our daughter, um, our eight-year-old. So they, you know, since they already did it the first time, they wanted to just you know do the same thing again. And uh, I was I was telling Dan and and, and Cam before the show uh, when when they were pulling them out, um, I was you know looking at my wife, you know you know behind the curtain with my or the sheet with my wife, and they asked me to look over, and I'm like, I can see everything in my wife's stomach, and I'm like, ooh. Yeah, why? Well, I, I don't know, but I just had a hard time trying to understand uh, how my wife's stomach this big, and she's still looking at me, and then got a hole in her stomach that big, and like I'm like, oh, but you know, everything was cool, man. <laughs> Baby boy came out, he came out. I actually filmed it too, so uh, got, oh uh, nice. Yeah, the doctor was like, hey, I showed the doctor, he was like, hey man, you can send, can you send me that? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can send him. I can I can send the doc my wife's stomach, but I can't send him the vaginal birth. No, nah, bro. No, 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 no. You gotta be there. Yeah, you've seen, you you seen enough, Doc. Yeah, you see enough. <laughs> Get a yeah, little clingy. It, it was it, it was C-section, so man, yeah. But you know, baby boy, he uh, had his first doctor's appointment today. You know, strong, healthy, everything looked good. So, um, we're excited. Shout out to Mrs. Black, man. Um, yeah. childbirth is is you yeah. don't realize how strong women are until childbirth, bro. Cause I I, I don't think any kids would be born if it was up to men. Uh, yeah, I, I look. Hey man, I, I'm I'm looking at her, man. She she my superwoman. So, uh, yeah, shout out to to my wife, man. She did an amazing job. So, yeah, shout out to Katie. I don't think she knows that I exist yet, even though we've met a few times. But, <laughs> Dad, you went to Tornadoville this weekend. I did. Yeah, I, I went to a Nashville for work a day after the hurricane, or a day after the tornado. Pardon me. Um, got to see uh, the damage, unfortunately, on uh, on Saturday. I uh, did uh, did a little bit of volunteering, uh, donated some money to that area. Uh, it's sad, man. Um, you know, here in in Tampa and even down in South Florida, uh, we didn't deal with a lot of tornadoes. And even when I lived in Iowa for a couple years, I was fortunate to escape. Uh, you know, a lot of the tornadoes, and so I, I've not really seen the damage of a tornado up close and personal. It's it's absolutely wild to see. You know the 
the path of a tornado. Um, it hit down, you know, very close to uh, to friends that that I have in that area. So um, what was awesome about it is that it was very very difficult for me to find time to or find a, a place to to volunteer because of how many people uh, did volunteer. So shout out to Nashville. Uh, shout out to uh, to everybody there that's part of their their Nashville strong community. Uh, you guys are my thoughts and prayers. Everybody on this podcast knows. Everybody in my life knows that that my heart is always in Nashville, but especially this week. So I did what I could to support the local economy uh, while I was up there. I uh, went to a Post Malone concert, which which is wild. Um, he's on something, but I'll give the guy credit. He puts on a hell of a show. I uh, was able to, to head over to the Ryman uh, Auditorium, got to see Rustin Kelly, who does uh, some music that I'm not totally into, uh, but he never turned down a show at the Ryman. Uh, his wife, uh, Casey Musgraves, is out there as well. And then I uh, got to meet up with our boy, um, Ben Wells, who's a singer-songwriter up there, a uh, guy that I've gotten to know really well over the last few years. Uh, had to text Silk somewhat intoxicated um, on uh, on Friday to make sure he got a follow, because strangely enough, Silk was following his wife on Twitter, but not him. So, uh, big shout-out to Ben man, Wells. why you sitting on the show make it all weird, bro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all by accident. We know that. Uh, you know, big shout-out to Caitlin. She was awesome. She was there, too. Uh, we, had a, we had an awesome time, though, but... Uh, but love Nashville. I uh, didn't get to see, uh, you know, everybody. So next time I go up there, we'll uh, we'll try to get a, a bigger event. But I'm excited for our uh, our trip to Nashville in whatever September, October, November, whatever the Gators play Vanderbilt. So yeah, nothing personal, Ben. I just like to bring up these follows with with some um with some females every now and then. But I don't even know who his wife is, to be honest with you. Yeah. But apparently, I follow her and not him. But now I made it all right. Yeah, he did. I appreciate Ben's that. He's my boy now. Shout yeah, out to Ben. Ben, Ben's a good dude. So, uh, you know, all in all, great trip. Uh, big shout out to Nashville. And if you have it in your heart, uh, they definitely are, are still in need of some, some support up there. So uh, if you're going to do it for anybody, do it for me. Um, and if you don't want to do it for me, just do it for them. So tornadoes are scary, dog. Um, I would like I deal with this hurricane stuff all the I'm, I'm cool with that. They give me a heads up. They let me know how many days it's out, <laughs> how bad it's going to be, how good it's going to be. Like, yeah. what's the vibes? Uh, tornadoes just spring up on you, man. They kind of ruin the, ruin your moment. There yeah. ain't, no, no time, ain't no chance to get away. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was wild. I mean, I know that they had expected some bad weather in the area, but the tornado came through after midnight. And so I know a lot of folks were were either sleeping or or were in preparation of uh, you know some potentially some dangerous weather. And uh, you know, a friend of mine that lives in the East, East Nashville area. Uh, said that he was able to escape the storm by about 30 seconds. So uh, it touched down about a, a third of a mile from his house. Uh, but again, when a, when an EF3 comes through, uh, it sounds like a freight train coming through, and you just don't know exactly where it's going to go. They wobble. They they just don't do uh, whatever you, uh, you whatever you expect. So uh, very very scary moment for them. It went through a very very uh, popular part of town in Germantown and then East Nashville. So uh, it's not like this hit just some random uh, you know small town or, or, or small farmland. This really went through uh, you. Know, Know, part of the heart of um, you know Nashville in terms of what they're trying to do and rebuild as a as a city and some other areas and so um, you know it, it, there's a lot of people that are affected there's a lot of people that are still affected a lot of people still without power water uh, you know food uh, so whatever you can in your heart to support them um, you know would definitely consider it absolutely man I didn't do I didn't do a whole lot this weekend um, spent a lot of time with my son. Mm. That was just the vibes. Off season, I just like to kick with him a lot, kick with the family a lot. So a lot of family stuff and just hanging out around the house and watching, watching some Laker basketball. That was about it. Not a whole lot from the Silk household this weekend. Um, you need that every once in a while. 
Yeah, man, all the football games, and we just been moving and doing little strawberry festivals and all that type of stuff. So I just want to relax this weekend. Hey, we're talking I had, about, I had we're some talking tickets to that Kentucky game too, but it was just too. It was too last minute. My wife wasn't really feeling me moving around health wise like that. What's up? What's up? What's up? What's thinking about that uh, XFL? It's, uh, it's it's the same thing. It's just it's a little too much. Um, down a little bit. I'm, I'm just not I'm just not into. It. I can't get into it. Uh, maybe it's because the Tampa team's not very good. Uh, but I don't, I have football fatigue uh, after you know five months of watching on Saturday, Sundays, Monday, Thursday. Uh, if they would have done it in maybe like May, June, July, I would have had more. It's of too hot, but, man. Yeah, I, I get it. I get. It. I'm just I, I can't I can't get into it. Oh, I'm definitely not getting into it because I don't like I have, I don't want to get attached and then they just shut it down like they did AFL. So I was riding with Spurrier team and they just shut down the whole thing. So I don't want I don't want to do that again. So I'm not getting invested at all. That's yeah. great. Spring football to be would, would, would do me just right. I can vibe with that. It's gonna be right on time. Speaking of spring football, let's get into some Gator news, man. Um, shout out to Mike Blanco and the Florida Gators, man. They did what we thought. Mike Blanco would do when it's time to to win a big game. Yeah, up eighteen points with what eleven minutes left. Um, so yeah, but we'll just move on from there. Um, we're gonna no, man. Do, uh, no, I'm gonna give him a little bit more time now that we think we said we were gonna just move on, bro. Like, what was that? I, it's the same thing. It's a lack of sense of urgency. It's uh, missing shots when when you need them the most. It's going through droughts. It's it's playing weird defense. I mean, we've had him on a bunch of times, and I don't want to continue to reiterate it. But Eric Fawcett, if you're not following him on Twitter, follow him. Uh, what we were doing was zone defense versus man uh, defense. Uh, you know, Florida just couldn't contain. Uh, you know, they they talked about. I think it was Scotty Lewis that said after the game that they just kept beating him. Uh, same play after same play after same play. Ultimately, if you keep getting play, same play, or getting beat, same play, same play, same play, that's on coaching. That's not on that's not on players anymore uh, because coaches should be seeing that, uh, and it's frustrating. And I don't want to think it's all Mike White's fault, but you have the most talented roster that he's probably ever had, and right now Florida is going to squeak into the tournament, you know, a seven, eight, nine seed, you know, when they were a top six overall team to start the season. So uh, I mean, there's nothing less than disappointing. You have the SEC championship game to to try to figure it out, and maybe the NCAA tournament, but you know, Kerry Black years out and I just I have zero faith in, in this team's ability to figure out how to to put it all together yeah now that Blackshear's down I think everybody's like trying to figure out what, what's about to happen in the SEC tournament but besides that Kentucky two best players didn't show up Vegas had us favorite to win you're at home uh you're up 18 points Cal's getting coach Cal's getting technicals on purpose he's purposely getting technicals to try to rile his team up that's called good coaching he needed he needed a spark he found the spark. They came back and won. Our coach could never adjust after Cal got the spark. When a coach can't adjust, he's just not a good coach. People can make excuses for it. And I don't want to hear this about we're a football school, and as long as he's making a tournament, that's okay. Bro, we're not just a football school. We won two national championships recently. The football school only has three. So I don't understand. Like, No, we're, we're a basketball school to an everything school. That's what we, we hang our hat on. On Twitter, when we talk, we say we're everything. We're everything school, man. We can't win at everything. Whoever's coaching the sport that can't win and winning big, it's time to get rid of them. Off of Blanco talk, bro. 
What we got, Dan? Yeah, and so uh, positive Gator news of the week is, is presented by our boy Spencer uh, and his jerk and jerky. Uh, I didn't want to throw Spencer's name before that talk. So a uh, big shout out to Spencer. Spencer's our social media intern. He also runs an awesome, awesome, awesome uh, jerky company. Um, he calls it the freshest, and, and there's no reason for me to think that it's not. I've had it. I didn't get to share it with you boys. Uh, freshest uh, beef jerky order uh, ever crafted. So um, every order starts. He does a, a special visit to a butcher, a uh, specialty source uh, steak. Uh, for your particular batch, it's marinated for 24 hours, uh, and all of their different marinades, all natural ingredients, no uh, added sugar, uh, and last it's dehydrated uh, to perfection, uh, ready to be shipped worldwide. Um, I think he's shipped to 30-something states, so let's get him up to 50 states before uh, the end of this uh, this podcast is over. Um, you can re- uh, visit his website. That's great, man. I had right. um, the turkey the turkey jerky he brought he gave us uh, for the Florida Georgia game. Yeah, he, he he sent us some man. The stuff was fire, bro. Um, the flavors. I think we had some mango habanero or something like yeah, that. Yeah. I had. Oh, uh, good, great stuff, man. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, Cam, Cam had some as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spencer's a jerkin. That's jerkin, J-E-R-K-I-N, not jerking, jerkin, jerky.com. So Spencer's jerkin, jerky.com. Uh, he's going to give you 10% off, uh, SGP 10 off, 10% off your order. Uh, he's got original Old Bay, uh, habanero bourbon, mandarin jalapeno, lemon pepper, uh, and he can do anything uh, just because it's all handmade uh, to accommodate dietary or food allergy concerns. Uh, his original flavor is keto uh, friendly. If you you're into that so give him a, a give him a call or give a, a visit his website spencer's uh jerk and jerky so that's spencer s-p-e-n-c-e-r-s jerkin j-e-r-k-i-n jerky.com and then 10 percent off is sgp 10 off all right so positive news baseball team 16 and 0 only undefeated team in college baseball right now. Uh, shout out to them. Uh, they had a sweep over the weekend uh, against USF. And shout out to Nathan Hickey, uh, who's SEC Freshman of the Week. Um, kid, kid's dynamite. Um, I think he had four home runs uh, this past weekend. Uh, had a slugging percentage of 1.462, uh, which is incredible, which, which I think – um, means and th- you guys can correct me in my DMs that he averaged more than a double um, per uh, per hit and, and per at bat. So that's a shout out to both of them. Baseball team is hooping, Dan. We got to get this tailgate um, together and support these support these dudes. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, we talked about it in April, April 11th, I think, is the game that we uh, we thought about. We had originally talked about this upcoming weekend, uh, which is a number one versus number two seed, uh, Florida versus Georgia. But uh, we're looking at a baseball uh, tailgate in April. Hopefully, the team is still undefeated by then. But if not, we're going to still be out there and, and have a, a fantastic time. Yeah, I just want to get back up to the city. It's been it's feeling like it's been a long time already. So I want to get back up there and, and feel the energy of the people a little bit. So let's get back up there. Let's figure that out. Uh, let's see what else is going on in Gator sports. We'll talk a little bit about it in uh, the recruiting update, but we had a junior day this past weekend. Uh, went went very, very well. Got a commitment from a tight end. Uh, outside of that, spring sports are still uh, still moving on. Florida's sitting really, really nice uh, and really, really pretty uh, moving forward. So uh, just shout out to the spring sports uh, at the University of Florida. Yay. Shout out to the, the spring sports for sure. Um. It's, it's, it's springtime. It's spring football time. We had a, a spring press conference today, media day. 
or what have you. I'm not sure what they call it, but Dan spoke. Couple, couple of the players spoke. Uh, very general stuff. He didn't get into a whole lot of details. Yeah. They, uh, he spoke about uh, open positions. Said maybe the kicker, Evan spots only spot is probably guaranteed this offseason. Are you buying that? Uh, yes. Every spot. You think so? What spot do you think is not open? Uh, I will go on the limb. I will say, um, that's first of all, I go Marco. I think Marco's <laughs> solidified at his spot. I don't think his spot's okay. open at all. Unless he's getting real goofy in the offseason and just can't, like, walk and chew bubble gum. Sure. But I think I think his spot's pretty solid. I think Kyle Trash, his starting spot is is solid. Um, I think Emery could, could win some more snaps in spring, but I don't think he's gonna take a job. I don't I don't I don't foresee that happening. Um maybe Damian Pierce running back. Yeah, I think his is just because nobody's gonna outcompete him anyway. Right. <laughs> uh Lorenzo Linger has a chance to, to probably upsee him, but yeah, I think just for him being in the system as long as he has and and just for weighing everything out, I think he's the most yeah, I think that's his spot. Unless something crazy happens. Everything yeah. else is probably open. Yeah, I think a, a guy like Brenton Cox, um, he's probably going to solidify himself uh, as a starter. But, you know, I, I think Dan Mullen says that, you know, for more than anything, because this is an opportunity for for the team to really test out what they have, uh, you know, to play your normal twos against your ones and see how they're able to do, um, you know, and see who progressed right during the offseason. It's the opportunity for these guys to, you know, to work on their own and, and to, to work out in the weight room, uh, a lot of it on their own. And so this is the opportunity to see who shines, who took it seriously, or, or who came in, you know, maybe a second in the depth chart last year, uh, you know, assuming that that number one spot was going to be open because the guy ahead of him graduated. So, uh, you know, we're we're looking forward to seeing what's going to happen. I think the thing that I'm most excited to see is, you know, kind of what happens in that wide receiver room and who gets to step up. You've had some guys, you know, that have been with the program for a little while that we're looking to see how they do. You know, a guy like Jacob Copeland, uh, a guy like Rick Wells. Um, you know, there's a couple other guys that have been with the program for a while to see how they do because you're going to be reclaiming replacing uh you know i think of what is it six of your top seven wide receivers from last season uh, or five of your top seven so uh there's definitely uh you know a huge gap and a huge opportunity for for those two uh those guys to come in if any room had uh, there's a competition of oily picture or who had the best oily picture room pictures I think the wide receiver room won that competition. Oh, absolutely. There was not, there was not enough KY jelly or whatever they used left after they were done. Man, I, I noticed Zach Carter and the rest of them stopped. Them <laughs> oh, boys, them boys. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mark. What's up? I'm having that dance on my KY jelly. Let's tighten up, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying from like the oil, the oil was, was wild. I just had to make a, a joke about the oil, but the wide receiver room, them boys is in the weight room. Um, I was a little concerned about the leadership that was leaving that leaving that position and and how these guys are gonna step up in the offseason because I just know the type of leads we had at that position with Van, uh Swain, Hammond, those guys are just work ethic is up there. But man, um Jamarcus wet the Western kid from Clouston looks yeah. like a, a animal, man. Um Trayvon Grimes mm-hmm. looking phenomenal. Um Copeland is looking <laughs> next level beastly. Shout traps? out to the wide receiver room. The traps, <laughs> yeah, it's it's trap music going on. Trap King with, with Cole Savage. Absolutely, man. So I'm excited about the progression these guys are making in the weight room. I think the wide receiver room is gonna be 
okay. I think they're working hard. I think they know the playbook, and I think we got guys that can separate, big physical guys. I'm excited. Uh, shout out to Whitmore, too. He's doing 360s and shit in the offseason. Go ahead, Amon. I'm just an a, a adamant firm and a firm believer. Of, you know, we at University of Florida. Um, these guys are here for a reason. When the rifle drop, they pick it up. See what I'm saying? So I, I, you know, I believe in Dan. I believe in his coaching staff. I believe in the players that we got here. They so they so competitive. You know, when the, when the wide receiver room left, yes, man, that was a lot of talent and, and a lot of leadership that we we lost with those guys. Um, but I have it's no doubt in my mind that the guys that's coming up th- th- this year and the guys that's you know been there that got to pick the rifle up, ain't no doubt in my mind they they gonna they gonna show up and be prepared. Already right, answer this though. Why you why you? Here at Model Max, um, Dan, the same thing. What's your the favorite uh, position battle you're looking forward to? If you got two or three guys in mind at that position, I wouldn't mind that as well. I just I'm I'm just excited to see the linebackers and how we how we go with that about that man and um, yeah yeah if we, if if we you know try to put some speed out there or or you know try to get matchups or what we're gonna do with, with the linebacker position. I think that's a position that's gonna be very interesting this spring and it's going. We'll have to show his head, man, sooner or later. So uh, I'm excited to see that linebacker position. What about you, Dan? But hold yeah, on, hold on. Let's be, hold on, hold on. Let's chop it up about this linebacker position a little bit. Right. Just real quick before we go in. Let's, let's pause a little bit. Now, now, I think if you're looking at ceiling, if you're looking at like playing the ceiling guys and the most versatility, I think you, you guys are a Hopper and Bernie. Yeah. Right? All right. Um, I mean, Ventura Miller's a guy that's returning. I know he's a Lakeland boy, but I think he's more of the mode of uh, Reese, a run stopper type dude. But he can run a little bit. But I think, like you said, if you want those athletic guys going to be running around, I think it's probably going to be Hopper. And and and, and I think Bernie's going to be the guys that, that really show really show some promise in, in the spring mm-hmm. and kind of show themselves. They could probably make a, a run at – I think uh, Hopper can make a run at starting in the fall. I think this spring is is opportunity for him to to emerge. I would say. Now are we gonna put the buck position in there, linebacker as well. Yeah, you know, whatever. For sake of conversation, we will. Yeah. So um, there's a couple things here. Um, I, I agree with what what you guys said. Um, we talked about it on the last show, but I think a guy like Muhammad Diabate, um, I think that he's gonna have a really good year. Uh, Chris Bogle, I think is gonna have a good year. We can throw Brenton Cox in there. I mean, so when you talk about these stand up or you know, uh, you, uh, finger down type of uh, players, you know, I think that Florida's really really deep there at that buck position. I'm excited to see David Reese. Uh, come back uh, the the one from Vero Beach not the one from Michigan that graduated uh, you know he got injured last year but I know that he was really hooping on the field uh, last year before uh, before he got injured I know he was splitting time between linebacker and safety so I'm excited to see what he can do um, you know a guy like Jeremiah Moon uh, you know this is really his year to be a complete uh, wide receiver so you know Florida you know you add a guy like James Houston in there too uh, and then you have Andrew Chatfield uh, you know who we've been you know waiting to hear from uh, you know during his time as well he's had some time in the weight room some time to to learn the defense and everything else so i think from a talent level you have a bunch of guys that that should be able to put together a really solid you know six seven eight guys uh you know that i feel very very comfortable uh you know with probably up to 10 or 11 that you know i i don't think that i would i, I would really bat too much of an eye at. i think from there it's just about you know separating the cream from the crop yeah i'm interested that you the reese i forgot about reese a little bit he got injured all last year, and we kind of forgetting about him um, because he he missed a, a whole season. But he's a guy physically last year. Everybody was excited about from things he was doing in the weight room. So I'm I'm interested to see how he pans out too. This this spring, 
Yeah. Yeah. I would say for me, the, I guess the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to, and, and I don't know if we'll be able to see it much just because we have some some folks coming in uh, in the offseason, and that's, you know, the safety position and to see what we're able to, to get out of that. You know, Silk, you brought it up a couple weeks ago, even though you don't know what you're talking about apparently on the big three roll-up about trading, moving back to safety. And so, you know, Florida's got to figure out what they're going to do in that safety room. They do have a, a bunch of, uh, you know, coveted safety, you know, freshmen, but again, they're freshmen, so you don't want to count on them. So I'm uh, curious to see how they're able to turn that room about because when you're talking about liabilities on the defense that's still your biggest concern i mean i think that florida's got a really strong you know defensive you know front end you know the back you know back three or four however they line up in defense and the linebacker position is good you throw kyer elam you throw um you know uh, marco wilson out there now you've got the safeties and you're just you know you're left wondering you know how strong can that group be um and if they're not strong that could be a potential weakness for them yeah, you can throw Star in there with um. That's 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 what I'm more, most interested in. We can throw okay. this into some DB talk, but um, let's talk about all of it together. The safety position is is just a question mark until it gets answered. Um, yeah. Dean going back there is throwing another body at it and see if we could get the the best tool that could stay on the field, uh, whether it's injury or off the field shenanigans, whether whatever it is. We need a good tool, a solid tool that we could count on the entire season. And I, I really don't have, uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not a downer. I'm, I'm, yeah. just a, I'm always a positive guy, but I don't have high expectations for the the, the, the seniority in that room. I hope I'm proven wrong, yeah. um, but I'm not that high on, on anybody that's returning. Um, I'll give a shout out to, uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier, Kaylin, uh, Ben's wife. Um, she's a big Sean Davis fan. I would say that right now I feel most confident. And, and I mean, this is not, I mean, this is with a massive grain of salt when I say this, would be with Sean Davis and Donovan Steiner back there. Um, you know, I like Trey Dean as a potential player. I, I just don't know how he plays at safety. I think he's better suited at safety than he, you know, was at, at outside DB or even at the star position. But again, I think they, he's a better corner. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. Um, I, you know, he's not going to get his playing time at corner, right? Um, you know, <laughs> who knows I mean, the way we were told. It depends on what the players agree to. So yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. Um, you know, but also you have to, you know, consider that. You know, and I know that he had some question marks. You know, the seat last season that he played with CJ McWilliams is coming back. Um, you know, so you're adding another body with some of the other bodies that you already, you know, have back there with Elam Wilson, uh, Kimbrough, uh, who else am I missing? Jaden Hill, right? So you have a bunch of potential talent back there. So if you're looking to get your best players on the field and you think Trey Dean's your, you know, one of your top two safeties, that means A, Florida's got some question marks at safety. Uh, but two, we've, th- that's a, that truly to me is the difference between having a good defense or even a great defense and an elite defense. And I think that, you know, Florida's really counting on what the players that they have and a lot of the seniority that they have. They've got a ton of, you know, well-played sophomores, a ton of juniors, retro juniors and seniors on this defense, you know, that this is the year that they have the talent, you know, with a little bit of development to be an elite defense. But if they can't figure it out, all the way on the extreme back end of it, I'm just, you know, I have I have a lot of questions about how far this team can go. Then, here's my thing. Um, like my thing, I, I'm with you too. I like Sean Davis a lot. I like I like Brad Stewart a lot. I like Donovan Steiner. I like I like all of those guys, but they're not putting it together on the field. I don't think any of them are putting a consistent uh, performance together on the field. But this offseason is a chance for everybody to 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 kind of own that spot and not be shuffling around a lot. Spring. So um, 
spring. Yeah, spring. Spring is the opportunity, man. It's I think it's time to, to shake a baker in, in, at that position. I think Torrance, the freshman that's on campus, I think he's a kid that's very capable of of probably getting some playing time midseason if these guys aren't improving. He's a, he has a lot of natural abilities, man, but it's not to be down on any of those guys. I just haven't seen it, man. Uh, I've seen seen it at corner. And safety is a different position. Safety requires some thinking. We've seen guys like Marcus May put it on late and start. They got better later in their careers, and he was, he was getting toast early in his career. So they, these guys can all be better the next ball, but right now I'm not optimistic on it. Um, we'll see what happens. I'm like, I'm ready to watch some spring football. I'll tell you that. But star position, um, Jaden Hill, Kimbrough, maybe even we could flex Bernie out there a little bit. I'm excited to see how things shake out the star position. I didn't like the way um, my man Trading played it last year. They moved him from it, and I think it was the right move. Whether it's cornerback or safety, I don't think Trading is a star. So I want to see how that shake out. Who wins it? If I could, if I could put a bet on it, or or who I would love to see win it, just from guys I like seeing play, I want Kimbrough to win that joint. Yeah, man, we definitely got some dogs. Like I say, man, these older guys, these younger guys coming in, that train moving. So man, you gotta you gotta step it up or get lost because there's so much talent coming in these next few classes. Hey, well, what was what was spring football like for you when you played? Oh uh, man, it was it was tough. It was super tough, you know. And that was it was so much, uh, you know, uh, you know, guys out there that that kind of want that wanted to compete because that's where your your positions are are made. You know, that's where where you know all the competition happens. I know uh, when I early enrolled um, in January, I played uh, spring football that year um, in April um, spring game, and then the next year. Um, that was going into my sophomore year, and I didn't play. The, I didn't play any spring games no more after that. So um, you know, but it was cool, man. It was just, it was, it, you know, it was, it's time for um, guys who don't don't have a really a starting spot to go out there and get it, get an opportunity to compete. You know, we we, we practice real hard in, in practices and whatnot, but the spring actual spring game is that was for guys that that was going out there to try to try to win them a spot. That that was your time to go out and shine um, and, and show everybody that you know it, it's about to be your time. So um, you can't waste it. What was it like? How different was it than uh, than than fall practice or summer practice? Well, uh, well, it's just intense every day. Every four pass, just about every day, and every day was a winner or loser day, just about. Um, so you know, um, it was it was a lot of bullshit sometimes because it'd be it'd be like fourth and one, and coaches say, "Hey, Urban," would be like, "Hey, you know, if the defense stops stops offense here, you know, uh, you know, they they don't have to run sprints, but if the offense win." They, 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 you know, sit out sprints. So we like, okay, cool. Shit, we're gonna, we about to start them. It's fourth and one. Motherfuckers will run a play and then let Tebow run it. No, we can't hit the quarterback. Like, shit like that. So they'll, they'll do stuff like that. And then they'll have to sit out spikes because now Spike's really mad because we got to run extra. Now he really trying to hit Tebow, you know, and now it's, it's really getting, it's, it's competitive. So it was, it was really, really competitive. Full, full pass every day, um, non stop hitting. You got to understand, I, we talked about this before. You know, in our red zone and our seven on seven, um, it, it, it was it was it was unbelievable because I told you we had Janoris and, and, and Joe Hayden at corners, we had Will Hill at the nickel, we had you know Major and me at safety, we had uh, you know uh, we had Spikes at the middle linebacker. And then on offense, you got you know guys like um, you know Percy Harvin at wide receiver, you got Murphy at wide receiver, you got Hernandez at tight end, you got uh, Riley Cooper at receiver, you got Rainey and Dempsey in the backfield, you got T-Boy at quarterback. So. Uh, Cornelius Ingram when he was healthy, man, it was just 
you know, that, that was our time to go against each other and just get better. What was your, what was your favorite thing about spring? And then what was your least favorite thing about spring? Uh, my favorite thing about spring, like I said, is, is to get an opportunity to go against the best of the best. So we go yeah. against every day, you know, and in the season, you don't got, you can't do that because you got to risk guys getting hurt and whatnot. And, um, you're trying to learn the game plan and, and trying to work the game plan. But in, in the spring, you, you plan against your offense. And every day, we, the most <laughs> funniest thing ever, though, uh, Randy came out one year and he came in with a <laughs> he came in a defensive meeting with a sheet of paper. I swear to God, Dan, I'm not lying. I swear to God. <laughs> a, a, a notebook sheet of paper, right? It had all the starters numbers on there. And he said every time every every time he juke one us out or, or get around us, he's going to cross our name out. So we like, man, Randy, get the hell out of our meeting, bro. What's wrong with you? And he got the little stupid laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I can laugh. see that. I can see yeah, that. So, all right. Bro, that same practice, Randy got the ball and shook the entire defense in one play. Oof. Yeah. You got through the list pretty fast there, bro. One play, bro. That's, yeah. that, I think it was our junior year. That, bro, it was unbelievable. But, you know, that – that was that was I tell you like going against each other that that was the the best times that that was the most fun. Have you seen anybody lose it lose their starting spot in the spring? Uh, nah, I'm not even gonna lie, not really in spring. I'm gonna tell you when they really when guys really lose their spot in camp. More so like camp. summer camp. Like yeah, like we're going back right yeah. before the season. That's what yeah, guys, I think spring. That's why I said I think spring is kind of for guys to emerge. Camp. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, yeah. So got, see, see what kind of competition we're going to have going into the fall. Yeah. Okay. Another so, position, too, before we move forward. Oh, you got, you got more for Mark? Go ahead. No, I was just, no, just going to say, is it more for your your second, third, I guess technically yeah, fourth yeah, string yeah. guys to, to really show who's there? Because after we won that championship, we went I, – I remember distinctively, we walking <laughs> and I, we got in trouble. We were trying to figure out, like, how. Like, me and Major walking in the stadium at the same time, and, and Coach Hida, our DB coach, was like, hey, y'all know y'all not playing today, right? Like, what the heck? What you mean we ain't playing today? We just did You know what I'm saying? That was my first year sitting out. So I was like, shit, if I ain't playing, I ain't finna put it on no pass. Shit, all right. I, I'm not there with, see, I was not coming in the league. I ain't had no thigh pass in, no knee pass, or nothing. Man, I got chewed the hell out, boy. I ain't never got chewed out like that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but after that, man, I, I, I ain't playing spring. So they always just sit me out because that's for the guys who was trying to emerge. Yeah, Dan spoke on a little bit on um, the defensive end position with um, Brent Cox. But I think that defensive end position is going to be a fun battle to watch with between him, Chris Bogle, uh, Summerall, Diabate. Uh -huh. I think we got some athletic guys that can edge rush, and it's going to be fun to watch. I think the red jerseys is going to be out um, because <laughs> the way our offensive line performed last year, I don't think they're going to be ready to, to – to, defense is always ahead of offense, uh -huh. right, Amon? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Defense always ahead of the offense because they got they got way more stuff to to, to get down pat before they can even ride. Yeah, the most times defense just go out there and be athletes. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's actually what it is. Go talk to the football. It's all about getting to the football, running to the football, and making plays. If you get to the football and run, you know, run to the football, fun things happen at the football. You all you gotta do is get over there, and then it, and now your instincts kick in, which you've been doing your whole life. But the offense, you got to worry about what route you in, what you know, what coverage. Man, defense, bro. I used to, listen, bro. I'm dropping in the box. Okay, cool. What I got? Oh, I may have a tight end. All right, boom. They switched to my senior, but let's say I got the tight end. All right, I got the tight end. Boom. It's, it's, he he run blocking. All right, boom. Where to run at? Fullback coming out. All right, power. Boom. Like it's the things that you got to understand, bro. Before the ball even snap. 
Like, if I know I got the flats, I'm going to get to the flats. But, you know, I'm playing football. You know, if I don't see nobody going to the flats, I'm not just going to run over there. Why? It's not even covering nobody. So now you flip your hips back inside and watch for a dig or something coming from the backside. I used to intercept balls like that going, you know, all the time. I, I picked off Dan Mullen his first year at, at Mississippi State. <laughs> I, I, I was a robber. He threw it. He put it back through it right to I me. I thought y'all had Mullen padded up in practice. Man, I ran that shit back, man. And high stepped on Mullen. Got my shit caught up. I thought he was a scout quarterback for a second. <laughs> Dan Mullen, I was like, damn, Dan suiting up in practice. I like I, this guy. I remember one time I uh, I picked out T-Bone in 707 red zone. He told me about that. And he oh, chased you down, about to beat oh, you up about it. it. <laughs> he down the field like 60 yards, bro. Like, <laughs> I could just hear his shoulder back. Because you know he run with his shoulders like. Jeez. You know bro, in practice, this man, so the pack used to like click, like little league, bro. Yeah. Jeez. I run it down the line. Oh, but that's a competitor, bro. Like, man, if you want to see some 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 competitive football, you should see that seven on seven with those guys, man. And when they used to put Percy in the inside and, and put Brandon Spikes on him, his eyes light up. He'll run like like a little uh, like a zig route, just run into him and then try to spin back out, and then I he realized that I'm double teaming. Man, it, it, it was nothing better than that. Now speaking of 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 we we spoke about defensive end position. One of the things uh, Mullen said in his pressure was, if you're three deep plus across the board at every position, it allows you to set up rotations in practice. Mm-hmm. I think we're at three deep plus. I think that this is probably the deepest roster, and I'm not saying that this is going to elicit the same result, uh, but probably the deepest Florida has been since that 2008 national championship year. I mean, when you think of experience now, there's still some question marks, don't get me wrong, but I think this is the first time that Florida's going in with, you know, 15-plus offensive linemen. You know, we probably named 12 or 13. Linebackers, Bucks, um, you know, um, a full stable at defensive line. Uh, you know, cornerback is a little bit light, but you know they'll figure it out. Safety, you know, you have some bodies. I mean, but ultimately, there's no position that I'm worried about in terms of the number of bodies that you have there. You have three quarterbacks. You have five running backs. You have you know ten wide receivers. You have three tight ends or four tight ends, whatever it is. You have 15 to 17 offensive linemen. You probably have nine, uh, you know, interior or, um, you know, strong side defensive ends. You probably have 11 or 12 linebackers. You probably have seven or eight quarterbacks. You probably have six or, you know, five or six safeties. You've got a kicker. You've got a punter. I mean, you got a long snap. you got it all. I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, equate the two, but this is the first time that I feel like Florida's really, you know, finally had the full max use of their, 85 scholarships yeah dan's getting in his bag when he started talking about with three deep at every position you start that's when you start talking about ex- expectations where you want the program to be and, and when the schedule set up like it's set up for this fall i mean ain't no excuses out the window i mean yep. the three deep, we three deep everywhere we ready to rock and roll man um my expectations are big i think dan mullen's expectations are big I think he kind of wear his uh, emotions on his sleeve with, with with his teams, and he don't ever lead us astray and set the expectations where they don't should they shouldn't be. So with three deep at, three deep at every position, I'm ready to rock and roll, man. I think we're in for a big off season and a big fall. Already, I'm here for it. Definitely excited, and keep the kids up late, man. Uh, recruiting buzz is big, man. Gainesville is the place to be. Shout out to Brewster, he in town. Things is cooking. Uh, we had our big junior day, a lot of elite players on campus. There hasn't been a junior day on any other campus like 
this in 20, 2020 that can compare mm-hmm. to what these guys put on this past weekend. Um, everybody impressed. If you if you're not impressed, you're just a hater. That's just what yeah. it is. Um, what, what you got any updates with that? I got a few. You start with what you what you heard about the weekend. Yeah, the uh, weekend went really good. You know, Florida is able to secure uh, you know commitment from another tight end. Uh, you know, Tim Brewster has come in uh, has gotten both of his guys you know last week we talked about uh him getting uh, gage wilcox uh out of uh, tampa jefferson here and then this past weekend he was uh you know able to pull in uh, a commitment from another tight end uh nick el elks elksness i believe uh from uh from episcopal up in jacksonville so uh that's two top 15 wide receivers according to 247 our uh, tight ends pardon me according to 247 that he has and so he even tweeted it you know somebody said hey you got your guys he's like yeah now i'm going after everybody else but you know the number of five stars that florida had on campus i think they had six or seven they had a whole crap ton of, of four stars um a number of highly regarded three stars uh you know florida was able to get a bunch of crystal balls that looked their favor uh you know but everything in, in we can go back on it, but um, you know, from everything from your your Marcus Burke or your Marcus Burke, pardon me, your uh, Jacory Brooks, uh, your Jared Wilson, a bunch of these guys, your Palmetto crew of folks that came in. I mean, Florida sits as the number one recruiting class on Rivals, number two on two four seven right now. You know, but Florida sitting really pretty right now going into recruiting uh, to a point where they're going to have to start making some decisions of you know who's going to carry this class forward. But man, you know, there's nobody recruiting or bringing the folks on. Uh, to campus like Florida is right now. Correct, Demondo. Savion Collins is is an interview that that really struck me, and you can see the type of recruiting we doing. He's committed to Miami right now, uh, defensive tackle, but he came and enjoyed himself. Uh, in the interview, they asked him, um, "How did the visit go?" He sounded like a guy that's ready to flip. He just got to get the nod from his mom. Um, his mom wasn't on his visit; she was on vacation. But when she gets back. I, I expect us to land this kid. I think we're going to land him uh, before the summertime. Uh, like you said, we received a lot of crystal balls over the weekend. Um, the wide receiver, Burke, was one of them. Uh, I'm not sure how high everybody is on him. I mean, you're always going to have fans complain, man. But he's a kid that I'm, I, w- I wouldn't mind being in this class. Marcus Burke, uh, four-star wide receiver out of Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, we received some crystal balls from him. Uh, Jason Marshall, five-star defensive back. Palmetto was one of the Palmetto kids as well. Yes, sir. Um, another defensive tackle, big big man Leonard Taylor. Taylor. Another five star defensive tackle. Uh, I would love to get him in the fold early. The earlier we get these five stars in the fold, the better. Uh, they anchor down the class, and kids want to play with other five stars, man. So I think that's a kid. I don't think we lock him down in the next month, but I think it's a guy we can land around the summertime. I think that's his decision timeline. And then shout to, shout to David Turner, man, doing his thing, uh-huh. dancing on the timeline and TikTok videos, elite yeah, recruiter. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, the guys that you just named there, Jason Marshall and Leonard Taylor are both top 30 guys uh, in uh, on 247. I think Leonard Taylor is a top five guy nationally. So, uh, you know, those are the you know those are the guys that take you from a good to great football program, from from great to elite. Uh, you know, and Florida is not just competing, you know, in home territory. You know, they're going in and they're, you know, they're beating Georgia. They're beating Miami. They're beating Alabama. They're beating, you know, the hometown school. They're beating the huge powerhouses and Clemson and everything else to get these guys. That's the sign 
sign of you guys being a real good program. Um, and it, give a big shout out to uh, to, to David uh, Turner for for what he's been able to do. Um, you know, Cam just mentioned it. Um, Cam Carr, Corey Collier was on campus as well. Um, he's a guy that I love. You know, he's a four-star safety out of Miami Palmetto. That Palmetto crew of um, of Collier, Marshall, Savion Collins, who you mentioned, uh, Leonard Taylor, those are the guys that are going to really help Florida get in. If they can land even a couple of them, uh, those are the guys that, that Florida needs, um, you know, to win, to, to, to make that next jump. Yeah, anybody that's somebody that that's that's got a job in recruiting was talking about Florida this weekend. Um, shout out to the CEO of Two Four Seven Sports, Shannon Shannon Terry. Yep. Uh, he tweeted out as well this morning. Uh, the momentum of Gainesville is real. It's yep. very real, man. Um, yep. people can act like, oh, Dan won ten games and he didn't finish here in recruiting, man. You're gonna see the fruits of that labor uh, real fast this year. Shout out to him uh, closing and getting a guy like Tim Brewster on on the staff to to just. Tie up some loose ends of what we needed on this stuff, man. But things about Absolutely. the rock and roll. Yep, and I mean, this isn't – we haven't even mentioned. Um, is it Tunmus Adelaide that came on, a defensive lineman that came on mm-hmm. campus? Uh, defensive tackle Desmond Watson, who said that Florida is the team to beat right now. Uh, Watson's looking at LSU and a couple other programs. Amari Harvey, safety, a guy that we've talked oh, about. Oh, man, it's getting nostalgic, man. T- Go I'm ahead, t- I mean, man. We're talking about these highly ranked four-star guys. Um, you know, and Florida already has 14 guys committed. Um, you know, so we're getting to the point where, you know, Florida's going to lock in this class and the guys that they look to have, unless something, you know, really disastrous happens, you know, get me Tim Brewster on all these guys, bro. And I think that Florida finishes, I would be disappointed. And I'll say it right now. It's March 9th. You're going to listen unless you're a Patreon, patreon.com slash stadium and Gale on March 10th that Florida's going to have a top five recruiting class, and if not a top three, the way that things are going right now. Yeah, Brewster sent out a tweet that we need to be number one class. I'm on that Brewster train. Uh, for us to finish, I think we do. We, we are going to have to like process some guys off the list we have now sure. uh, to, to, to finish there, but I, I want to finish top three, Dan. I, I think we can. Um, I think the offense is going to be explosive this year. I think it's going to look different than it la- they did last year, and I'm, I think things are going to do what they do, man. Um, but for us in state, we don't have rivals in state. They just here. Right. Yeah. We just doing what we want to do. We we focus on, on on the Bamas, the Georgias, the LSUs of the world. Uh those other two programs are just hanging around, bro. They just here for decoration. Yeah, I'm here for it. Um Mario Williams was on campus. Amarius Mims was on campus. Uh, both highly ranked guys, receiver and offensive lineman. And then Terry and Arnold, uh, who's really good friends with um, with Amari Harvey, who's coach played for uh, for Ron English. Uh, but you know, a lot of those guys still have a long time decision to make. You can expect these highly ranked four star and five star guys to, to probably you know visit a couple places or definitely at least seek out you know a bit more on the recruiting side. But but like I said, you know, you have a Brewster, uh, a Christian Robinson, a David Turner, a Mull and a Brian Johnson, who we're going to talk to in a bit, you know, add all of these guys on with guys like Ratliff and Coach Coop, who we've seen on the uh, on the timeline a lot recently. I'm feeling, I'm starting to feel nostalgic around here, uh, and I'm starting to feel confident in, in Florida's ability to recruit, which is what we've always said is the biggest uh, question mark. Because dogs want to play with dogs, Dan. 
Absolutely. I mean, Ahmad, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I mean, I know Spike said part of the reason and part of the reason Percy Harvin said that he played at Florida as well was to play with a guy like Tim Tebow, right? So you get these guys, you know, you get a top five defensive tackle and you get, you know, a guy like Gervon Dexter last year. People want to play with those types of guys because they they know those guys are difference makers and they want to be a part of that. So, um, you know, Florida's getting those guys on campus now. We just got to close them down. Yeah, since we're doing all this recruiting talk, let's get my man Key One Ratliff on here and chop it up about a little uh, his, himself and Gator football. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. First time on Stadium and Gale. Uh, we had him on Big Three Roll Up several times. This is his first time kicking with us here, though. One of the guys that wore the number Uno, a legend, got a break outside. The man, the myth, the legend, the leader of Lat- Rat Pack, now Gator. Keep one Rattler. What's going on, man? Uh, nothing much, man. I appreciate y'all boys for having me on. And we appreciate you for coming and hanging out with us, man. Oh. It's been busy times for you for you in that recruiting office, man. Oh, yeah. It's the best part of the year for me. Yeah, it's when you thrive, man. So for the, for the average fan that – that's not familiar with how you became a Gator, man. Uh, give us a a quick explanation of how you end up before the Gator in the recruiting process. Well, me, I'm I'm one of the people. A lot of people always assume that I'm from Florida because I've been here so long. But I'm originally from Youngstown, Ohio, and moved to Columbus, Ohio for high school. So during the recruiting process, majority of my offers was Big Ten schools. So the visits that I took were to Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, Illinois, uh, and then Florida was the last visit. But I had no intentions. I never looked at Florida. I didn't even know nothing about Florida, honestly. I was an Ohio kid that was all Big Ten. So one day I was in school, and this is January, like beginning of January. I get a call down to the coach's office from my coach. My coach says, hey. Uh, somebody want to talk to you. I get on the phone, the voice on the phone, like, hey, Kiwan, uh, this is uh, Bob Stoops, defensive coordinator at the University of Florida. I was looking through a Tom Lemming book because, you know, back in the late 90s, there wasn't no internet like that, so you had the Tom Lemming recruiting book to go off of. So he's seen Ratliff and Columbus, so he called to check. Never seen my film, nothing. Just read my little bio in the Tom Lemming book. So then he called, say, hey, you – uh." By any chance, I see you from Youngstown, Ohio, last name Ratliff. By any chance, do you know Chucky Ratliff? And I say, yes, sir. He said, well, are you related to him? I said, yes, sir, that's my dad. He said, right then, he said, if you're half as good as Chucky Ratliff, the University of Florida is going to offer you a scholarship. So about four days later, Coach Dixon, Dwayne Dixon came and see me at basketball practice, went back, told him, I guess, you know, I look good athletically moving around. That Saturday, Coach Spurrier came to one of my games. He came to my game, and it was crazy because I, I had my career high in that game that Coach Spurrier was at. So Coach Spurrier came back to the house, and they got me up on a visit. I came up at the end of January. It was probably 73, 74 degrees in Florida. It was probably minus two in, in Ohio. And from that day forward, I committed and never looked back. Already, real quick, how like why did Stoops hold your dad to such high regard? Well, in, in Youngstown, I was you know you, how most of us are. We never see our parents play, 
So in Youngstown growing up, you know, we in Little League, I never lost a game. My team was, well, we lost one game growing up, but my team was like, you know, the, the team in the park that everybody feared. So I was always the quarterback, was, you know, one of the star players, but I was always compared to my dad. So from the, the legend has it, my dad is from Youngstown Cardinal Mooney, where a lot of college coaches are from. Uh, both the Pellini brothers, uh, the Stoops brothers, they all played with my dad. And they all say my dad was the best player they ever played with. So I have, I mean, you know, I got to go off their word. Okay, that's what's up. That's a good reputation to have, man. Uh, your first year, you had to sit out a little bit. What was the situation with that, and, and how did you end up uh, getting through it? Oh, that was terrible. That was that was the first time in my life with football that I had any adversity. I came down, you know, I took this test one time, ACT one time, uh, sophomore, freshman, sophomore year, and didn't get the greatest score. Then at that time, I wasn't really getting recruited. I was a knucklehead, little skinny kid that was in a new place in Columbus, Ohio. My reputation, nobody really knew who I was, so the coaches weren't really playing me like that. Then my new coach came in, and he started getting us tutoring for ACT, all that, getting us ready. And by the next time I took it my senior year, shoot, I had 20-something, 30 offers at that point. So now I was focused. I was into it. I knew that, was that you know, my future depended on it. So I got the test score I needed, enrolled in June. I'm in school. I go through summer A, summer B. Now we're in fall camp. I get a knock on the door. They say, hey, you got to go home. And I'm like, well, I got to go home for what? And they said, the, the NCAA challenged your test scores. They're invalid. You got to go home and take the test again. So then I had to go home. The test was in October. Took the test in the room by myself, uh, you know, with the instructors and everything, putting even more pressure on the test, I got a better score that time. So now I'm thinking I'll be able to roll this in January. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They told me, no, <laughs> you, you can't go to school until the date that you left. So now I couldn't technically wow. enroll at the University of Florida until fall. So now I had to miss all of spring, summer and everything because they weren't allowed to bring me back. What was that year like? What did you spend that year doing? Working out, uh, chasing girls? What, what was well, that? Actually, I was I was the, uh, the scout team guy for my high school team. So now I was, if we were playing against an elite quarterback, I was the quarterback. If we were playing against an elite running back, I was the running back. So my coach was saying I was coaching, but I was actually still on the team. I just didn't play on Fridays. Right, that's nice, man. So what was your first experience with, um your first Spurrier moment, you would say, when you got there and was like, all right, this is the recruiting process is over, and this is my coach. He's a little bit of a smart ass. When was that moment? A little bit. Coach, coach was he was one of those dudes you find out real early. He's going to ask you a question in a sarcastic way, but you better answer it with a hundred percent honesty. Because I, it was who was it? I can't I can't remember who it was. I want to say. I don't want to say the wrong person, but I, I want to say Reggie Vickers. Reggie Vickers, we walked. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Real quick, Rat. That's my first cousin, bro. Hey, hey, well, listen, I'm going to tell you <laughs> what happened with this kid. So, so yeah, he, 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 we walked down yo. the hall, and, and he asked him a question about a route he ran in individuals. And he answered it, and Coach disagreed with him, and he bucked back at Coach Spurrier. 
So when he bucked back at Coach Spurrier, Coach Spurrier just kept walking by like, you know, he wasn't paying no attention. Later on that day when we got in team meeting, the first thing that came up on that board was Tink running that wrong route an individual. And when I tell you he let him have it in front of the team right then, I knew. When Coach Spurrier asked you a question, tell the truth so you don't get, get embarrassed on that big screen. What, what, real, not, to, not to harp on that, but what was, what was, um, cause Tink ended up leaving. He had some issues, um, but he left after Spurrier was gone. What, what was right. his thing on campus, in your opinion? What was his issue? The thing that hurt him, I believe, is honestly was the 40. When we got to school with Coach Spurrier, he would make the freshmen do basically like a, a combine, like a mini combine in front of the whole team. So all the upperclassmen would be out there, you know, making their little side bets on who was going to run fast and everything. And as you know, Tink was all world coming out of high school. Everybody. He was, you know, he was the next Redale, Jacquez, Ike Hilliard all in one. So right. everybody was riding with Tink. Oh, he's going to run a 4-2. He's going to run a 4-2. Then when he didn't run the time, he was everybody assumed he ran. It kind of hurt him because his confidence kind of swayed a little bit, and then everybody's expectations lower. So I think he never really bounced back from that. Nikiwan, you uh, you were recruited by Bob Stoops and, you know, onto Steve Spurrier's team. Ultimately, both of those guys left not long after you enrolled at UF. What was that experience like transitioning to Ron Zook and, and obviously, a, you know, completely different staff than the, the staff that you had originally committed to? I honestly – almost left Florida twice. I almost left Florida that year that I set out in 99. I almost left that year. I was going to go to Oklahoma with Coach Stoops, but I had a long conversation with, with Coach Spurrier, and that pushed me back to Florida. Then when Coach Spurrier left, and as you know, the Lido's and, 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 and Big Money, Gerard Warren, all those guys left. Mm -hmm. And that year, we were loaded, and coming back in that 01, that 01, that 02 year, that's, I think, would have been our best team had Coach Spurrier not left. So when all those guys left, it kind of left us a little empty. So right then, I was already frustrated because they were te still telling me I was still going to wide receiver meetings and doing that, but I was playing DB in games, and I, in my mind, I thought I was a wide receiver still. So I wanted to transfer somewhere where I could go play wide receiver, but when Coach Zook came in, he sat me down with Rex and, and Coach Zahnbrecher, who was our offensive coordinator at the time, and Coach Fedora, who was the wide receiver coach. And that's when they put a plan together for me to play both ways. And once he said that, in the back of my mind, I said, y'all just put me in the league if I step, step on field on both sides at the University of Florida, I'm in the league. So that's the reason why I didn't leave the second time. I got you. Did you enjoy, did you want to play both sides or did you prefer wide receiver over DB or what was ultimately the, the driving force for you there? To this day in my heart, I still feel like I could have played in the NFL as a wide receiver. Like I know it sounds crazy. I had a great career. I was blessed. I was fortunate, but in my heart, I just felt like I could have been used more as a wide receiver. I just, I don't know. I just love having the ball in my hands. And so I always wanted the opportunity to play wide receiver, but I never really got a chance to because everybody's seen something else in me as a DV, which, I mean, I'm blessed that they did because it actually got me an opportunity to play in the league. I probably would have made it to the NFL as a wide receiver, but in my heart, in my mind, I still wanted that opportunity. 
I love it. So looking back on your time at UF, what were some of the, your favorite memories or what was your, your, your most favorite memory that you have at, uh, at UF? On the field or just memories? Let's do uh, let's do one of each or whatever your I guess your your penultimate moment is uh, at UF. My my favorite moment on the field at UF would have to be the the SEC championship. As freshman year, we win the SEC championship. You a young dumb freshman, you think oh we gonna do this every year. So unfortunately, I only got one in my career. So that one I cherish even more now in hindsight looking back at it. So it'd be the SEC championship my freshman year. And then off the field, it's just – I got too many to name. It's just building the, the bonds and, and, the, and the brotherhoods that I did with my teammates because, shoot, I had teammates from Florida that was in my wedding. So I got my, my – one of my teammates from Florida is my son's godfather. So now, like, you know, a lot of those guys have become family. Thank you, Juan. It's mine. Uh, so talk about – your transition a little bit when you moved um, from back home to Florida. Uh, was it easy? Uh, I know in the summertime, man, I know training was, was, is definitely hot um, in June and July in, in Gainesville. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Talk about Coach Spurrier's training. Yeah, honestly, the, the, the training is what was killing me. The 12-minute run that Coach Spurrier had, like, all my teammates going to listen to it, like, you hear this and think I'm like I'm lying because – I always, like when I first got there my freshman year, how I got on is I broke the record in a 12-minute run my freshman year. So once I broke the record, then I became one of Coach Spurrier's guys. But little did they know, like, I knew that I wasn't strong. I wasn't fast in the 40. I I didn't look great when I took my shirt off. So I needed something to, you know, to, to put my name on. So I had I I was I had a boxing background, so you know the, the long distance running was something that I did all the time. But it just wasn't cool to do it on the, on the cross country team. Yeah. So I knew in the back of my mind that you know I could run for days, but that heat, man, nobody nobody told me about that heat. I was excited about the seventy four in January. They ain't tell me about the hundred and fifty in June. Yeah. yeah. So it, I mean, you know, that, <laughs> it's, it's a big transition going from Ohio. To Florida with it. Yeah, they sell you on the winter. They yeah. sell you on the winter. Oh, yeah, yeah they got yeah. me down in January. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I ain't never leaving. Then when I wake up in my dorm in June and I see my windows sweating, that's. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, so, so, talk about the, the camaraderie in the locker room, too, as well. I know you named some great players like Lido and those guys. Um, how was the locker room, man? I, I know when I played at, at Florida, uh, that was before a lot of social media and whatnot. I think we had like Facebook um, and stuff, but. You know, it was a lot of times, you know, now that I look back, we just sat in the locker room a lot, a lot after the after practices and whatnot and just, you know, you know, hung out with each other, man. And that's what made us so close because we would leave the locker room and then, you know, go to someone's house and still hang out. So was y'all camaraderie oh, that, like that? Or like that, I, I preach that to the boys on the team now. Like they don't realize, like, the more you're around each other, the more y'all hang out, the more y'all get to know each other, the more you're going to be willing to run through that brick wall for your brother. So... Right. That part right there is a part that I love. And when I talk about it, people look at me like I'm crazy because I, I say that us being hazed brought us together. Right. It made us bond more. Like when we was in school, we couldn't walk through the locker room, the varsity locker room as freshmen. You walk through there, you ain't going to be able to walk to your locker when they get done with you. Yeah, right. Like it was little stuff like, you know, they cut your hair, they made you sing. Like little stuff like that that we hated as freshmen 
we grew to love by juniors and seniors because all of my classmates, we had to stick together because, you know, that, that class you come in with 20, 25, 26 guys ain't more than the 70, 75 that's still there on scholarship. Right. So now, if there's four or five of y'all walking from the OSL or the Hawkins Center, they call it now, yeah. them seniors might catch y'all walking, jump out on y'all, rough y'all up a little bit. Now y'all got to walk back to the dorm rooms together talking about it. But right. little things like that is what brought us together. And now you knew who you could go to war with on Saturdays because you went to war with them Monday through Friday with Big Money and, and yep. Big Kenyatta Walker and those boys caught y'all slipping. There you go. So, so out of all, you know, the rival games and, and the games that, that was big, uh, when, when you were on the team, what, what game did you enjoy playing in the most? And uh, who was the toughest wide receiver you had to go against when you was at the University of Florida? The game I loved the most, easily, Florida, Georgia. That, that was different to me. Like I, like I said, I didn't grow up knowing Florida's history or, or Georgia's history and knowing much about the SEC. I knew about Ohio State, Michigan. I knew about Ohio State, Penn State. I knew about Michigan, Michigan State more than I knew about that rivalry. So the first time I ran out that tunnel in Jacksonville and see that crowd split the way it was and the atmosphere the way it was to where both teams basically had a home game, that was something like no other to me. And, and the wide receiver, I, I got laughed at when I was saying it at the combine, but now people respect it. And, and so you might like this answer. The the wide receiver that the hardest wide receiver that I guarded wasn't Andre Johnson. It wasn't you know Michael Clayton. Those boys that was first round draft picks. It was Anquan Bolden. Anquan Bolden wasn't fast. He wasn't going to shake you. He was just going to run through you. True. Strong as hell. It was like it was like guarding a tight end. Truth. Like, right. I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna tell you something, man. Anquan is a special specimen. I um I grew up. Anquan's a year older than me, but we played against each other twice. And in high school, he played quarterback then. Bro, I watched oh, yeah, Anquan toy with us. You know, he could fling a ball, watch him in warm-ups, throw a ball 75 uh-huh. yards, flat-footed, no no warm-up, no, no, I'm going to go stretch. But he toyed with us, man. Uh, he was blowing us out like 56 zip in, in the third quarter. Coach tried to take him out of the game. He refused to come out of the game. This type of competitor he is, man. But special dude. Listen, this is how you know how good Anquan Bowden was. Like I said, I was in Ohio with no internet in high school. I knew who Anquan Bowden was. I knew who Lito Shepard was. Those two, I knew who Antonio Bryant was. It was certain guys. Another classic battle, too, was was Lito oh, Shepard yeah. versus Reggie Vickers. Oh, classic they, state they, they championship. Yes, sir, in the states. Classic state. And they played that state championship at Ben Hill Griffin. In Gainesville. Oh, I yeah. thought used to be right there in the end zone, yep. like recruits watching every state championship. Epic, game. man. Epic. Epic battle between Lido and Reggie Vickers. Well, I'm sorry, man. Go no, ahead. Reggie's I, I, I got... It's high school highlight tape. You can't deny. Like, nah. He was can't. elite, elite. I don't know how he lost his confidence because Reggie was supposed to be in the league. I don't think he ever lost his confidence. I think – um. Shout out to Redell. Redell, his cousin on his mom's side. Um, shout out to Redell. Redell, his cousin. He, I think he was in Tampa a little too, a little bit too much, hanging oh, out with Redell. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, he did kick it. Redell might not like that, but we I think, I, I think that was his. Like, but yeah, but he kicked it a yeah. little too much. He wasn't going. Hey, if you Google his name right now, you'll see articles of Steve Spurrier uh, saying that he wasn't going to class. He was in oh, Belgrade no, a lot too. Listen, he was yeah. my roommate. He was my roommate. Oh, okay. So you know the vibes. 
<laughs> That's what I'm telling you. He was my roommate. So I yeah. know he wasn't there. <laughs> he would still be in the monk on Monday morning. Absolutely, man. What were we at? Hey, <laughs> hey, hey what was the, uh, the the biggest transition from uh, from college to the NFL for you? The biggest transition for me was learning a new position. And in college, I played strictly on the outside. Never played on the inside. Never really did any nickel. And when I got to the NFL, they threw me at the nickel from day one as a starter and, and said, hey, you better learn it because week one, you're going to be out there. So that was the biggest transition for me was learning the game from the inside out instead of from the outside in like I always learned. And what's your favorite memory from the NFL? I mean, I know it's a completely different game in college than it is in the NFL, but you had a pretty long career there in the NFL, played for a bunch of different teams, you know, were able to accomplish quite a bit. What, what, what do you look back on with the most fondness? Uh, my, my, I have to say my favorite memory in the NFL is, is picking off Peyton Manning. And in my eyes, Peyton Manning is one of, arguably one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. And to be able to get one on him to where, you know, I set him up and, and gave him the bait and he fell for it, you know, for it to work on a guy like that, it, it, it made me feel real confident in, in my, my knowledge of the game. So getting a pick on him is, is the, the thing I remember the most. I actually tried to get him to sign the ball, and, and of course, <laughs> you know, that, that's I, that's got to be one of my top memories ever playing the game. I, I like that energy. Um, trying to get the person you pick off to sign the ball. That's that's the type of. Uh, I like how you roll. So <laughs> uh, you you get out of the NFL. You're 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 back in Florida. You have your Rat Pack seven on seven football team. Um, kicking it. I see you at every seven on seven tournament. Uh, competing how did you end up getting the job at uf how did it all go down honestly me and vernell were teaming up to do some things in the villages and that got sidetracked because he came to uf and when he came to uf he was the biggest i guess influence on uf to bring me back he fought and fought and, and, you know, went in there and told him, like, we need to bring Rat. And honestly, that's how I got back to UF. But before you got – before you did that, um, you know, it was very noted on the timeline and on the internet that you went back and got your degree. Talk to us a little bit about what drove you to get uh, head back to Gainesville and, and, and finish your degree program. It was the Rat Pack. The the Rat Pack is what did it. I was honestly I, I I was preaching and preaching and preaching to these kids and trying to help them understand don't let the university use you, take advantage of you, go in, get your paper, walk, it's important. And I'm doing all this talking and I didn't do it. So it was one of those things to where I was I'm going to these graduations and supporting these boys that I've been working with and seeing them go to school and do everything that I asked them to do, but I wasn't living it. So it was one of those things to where my kids were older. They were starting to notice things that I did and how I lived. So I wanted my kids to see me finish so that now when I try to push them and preach to them that they got to finish, they can't throw it in my face that I didn't. 
So what exactly is your role uh, on staff right now? If you can explain that to the average fan that don't don't know what you do from a day to day basis. I, I I break it down to a lot of what, well, especially the Rat Pack boys. All those boys relate to college football. We all played college football growing up. You got guys still playing it. The old 2014 game, just updating rosters. So I basically. At the end of the year, if you play the, the, the dynasty or the, the season, at the end of the year, you, when you do the recruiting and you got to balance the scholarships and, and go out and get the players and help guys transfer that, that want to leave, that's basically what I do. I, I basically just, just find talent, uh, try to help with the board, try to help our coaches figure out who we need to be going after because our coaches can't watch every kid's film. So my job is to help try to break it down to where they're only watching guys that are capable of playing at our school. So you're involved in the evaluating process as well? Yes. Uh, evaluating is the, the biggest part of my job. Oh, nice. Do you ever, since you've been doing this, I know you, you, you grow relationships with some of these recruits. Um, you're not going to land them all. So what, how's that dynamic of missing on the kid that you built a relationship with? Uh, how, you, you just went through your first signing days. What's that process like? Well, you know, a lot of the fans may not like this, but the kids that I built relationships with prior to Florida, they know how I feel about their situation. I would never push a kid that I worked with to the University of Florida before I got here, and I would never push a kid while I'm here that I have a previous existing relationship with. I want those kids to be comfortable with their lifelong decisions that they make. I give them the pros and the cons of why they should come to Florida, and I'm going to tell them everything about the University of Florida and everything that it can do for them. But if they don't feel that the University of Florida is the best fit for them, I'm not going to stop talking to them or stop helping or, or stop loving them the same way I did as Coach Rat for Rat Pack and now that I'm Coach Rat at the University of Florida. The fans usually uh, are working the boards themselves. They they work the uh, recruiting board. They try to figure out numbers on takes and not takes. Do we ever run into an issue of space? Do you think that's ever going to be an issue? That's always an issue. Because if you look at it, right now we probably got 270 offers out right now. You can only sign 25 with a max 30. So... If you if you your class you need four corners, and you got four corners committed, now all those other twenty five corners that you offer, we don't have a spot for you anymore. So it's one of those ones where when you take commitments, you gotta you you have to recognize how many guys in that class you want when you take commitments. So that's why when guys commit, it's so big because they're taking up one of those limited spots. How do you? explain to because i know you put out all those offers but obviously everybody can't commit when they get those offers so what's the how do you articulate to these kids that is a committable offer or you got to come to camp like what's the process of that you just be up front i mean my philosophy is honesty if i'm honest with you the first time i don't have to worry about what i said to you so I tell you, hey, listen, we're going to offer you, but if you want to commit, you got to come up and work with coach. You got to come up and run a 40. You got to, whatever they need to do to be able to commit, I'm going to let them know right there when they get the offer. So now the kid isn't 
in the blind where he's like, oh, I'm going to commit to Florida. No, because when we offered you, we already explained to you what you needed to do to be able to commit. Now, there's some offers where you tell, like some kids are, hey, man, you can commit any day you want. Those guys that are your top guys on your board. So, you know, those guys, when you get, when you offer them, you want to be upfront and you want to be as real and as honest as possible. Sometimes it may backfire, but for the most part, from what I found is that recruits respect honesty more than they respect being lied to and, and told what they want to hear. Uh, Kiwan, what's it like to, to try to manage a board of a couple hundred prospects and how do you guys balance how to keep in communication with them and, and kind of what's the back office look like from, uh, you know, we call in the business world like a CRM, like a client relationship management. I know that there's a, a back end piece of that. How do you guys manage all of that on the, uh, I keep saying it, but on the back end of, uh, of the process? Well, everybody has a role. So everybody has their role to play. We, we're basically just like, you know, the team. You know, you got your guys that work with different coaches on staff. You have guys that work with certain positions. You have guys that, that work with guys because they have previous relationships with them. So as long as we can acknowledge that and nobody has an ego, now we can kind of delegate who does what on who's the most beneficial with working with that kid. So, I mean, with me, I've been pretty much doing this job that I'm doing now for the past eight years on my own for free. So now to get paid for it, it's even easier for me to do it, honestly, because I watch film and I study players. I can tell you about the top high school basketball players. I can tell you about the top middle school basketball players, middle school football players. That's just how I've always been. I was a guy that in college, they used to call me stat man. Cause all I did was study stats of everybody, every kid in the country. Cause I'm just, I'm a football junkie. So every, anything football related, I'm drawn to. Hey, Kiwan, you say, uh, y'all bring guys up and they run the 40. Oh man. Y'all bring the guys up and let them run the 40. Hey man, listen, I, I'm with you. Cause guess what? I, I'm I, and you together. Hey, look. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in the chat telling these boys I would have been that fam you boy because hey, <laughs> when, when they say stuff about oh that kid's body don't look right I'm like man have you ever seen me with my shirt off <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, so, so I'm, I, they get mad at me because I fight for that kid all the time I fight for the five yeah. I fight for the for the kid that's just a football player and might not be a track star right, those right. are the kids I look for dogs if you're a dog and can play ball Man, that don't change. You can't change a dog. Right, right. Yeah, man, I, I, I got a little nervous over here, man. I went to sweating a little bit. Um, but oh, talk no, about no, no. We, we, <laughs> we get some guys here still that, that's like me and you. We, we gonna okay. make sure, I'm going to make sure we always get a couple guys like us. Yeah, okay, make sure that, make sure that. Talk about uh, the 7 on 7 a little bit, man. I know it's getting a little bit of popular um, with, with the kids nowadays, and we didn't really too much have that uh, when we was coming out of school, but. What's the benefits of that? Um, does that have a lot of pros to it? And, and are there any cons to, to the, attending the 707? Well, there's pros and cons to anything. For okay. me, the pros that I love about 707 is how many DBs throughout the country in high school are actually locking up and playing man-to-man? -man? Not very many. Okay. How many quarterbacks are actually dropping back and throwing the ball over and over and over again? Not very many. How many wide receivers are getting to line up in the slot, the outside, and run routes knowing the ball is being thrown? Not very many. 
So it gives the skilled guys an opportunity to work on things that they don't get a chance to work on maybe for their high school team. Now, the, the, some of the cons, yes, you are going to have when you run into the championship games and stuff where you got guys running routes through the tackle box and you got guys doing made-up backyard football stuff to win, but the benefit of it is at practice because at practice you may be one of one. Now, everybody wasn't fortunate enough to go to Lakeland and have 25 D1 teammates. So, you know, some guys are, are on teams where they're the only Division One player. So everybody on their team knows that and everybody respects it. So they assume and expect to lose when they go against them. But now you're on a seven-on-seven team, you're out there with all elite guys who all of them think that they're going Division One. So they ain't going to give you nothing. So now iron sharpens iron, and in practice is where the benefit is most important to me is going up against other guys with the same mentality and same thought process as you to where now when you go back to your school, you'll be even better when you get there. Whereas if you were practicing against your teammates, you could be practicing bad habits and still win the majority of your reps. Right. Okay. Okay. So from, you know, if I'm a young cat coming in from like high school, say middle school, going to high school or whatnot, um, and I, and I want to, you know, I, I want to possibly go to the next level in, in, in football. How do I get, you know, looked at? What's the best way for me to get uh, get some notoriety, I should say? I know a lot of people don't like it, but these camps, like these camps, I, I, I can tell you at least 30 kids that I worked with over the years that had no offers, went to Rivals camp, went to Under Armour camp, went to Nike camp with the one of these big time camps that 247 and rivals and ESPN and all them do write-ups on right. had a good day, got a write-up and boom, they take off. And people like say, Oh, these camps are meaningless and pointless. Yeah. They're meaningless and pointless to the five-star kids who are already walking the door and get offers. But right. the kids like me and you that some might be undersized, might not have the speed, might play on a team that don't feature them the way that they need to be featured. Right. Now they go to these camps, show the skill set that they have that translates to the next level, and now they get on. Brett, um, you, you was around. You seen the must champ area. You was close to these guys in recruiting because you had the Rat Pack. So you, you was around the programs with the must champ era. Also with uh, the McElwain era. What's the biggest change in culture like, in, in like – I mean, you got to have a different appreciation for it than most of the guys on staff being that you played there. So what's the culture change like? Honestly, like, I love Michael Wayne and I love Muschamp. I, I, I love the way that, you know, that, that they carried themselves and the way they, they opened the doors up for me to come back whenever I wanted and, and I could go to meetings and do all of that. But it just seemed like it was a disconnect between the coaches and the players. Like, I don't know. I wasn't there on the day-to-day, so I can't speak on where the disconnect was, but I just see it just felt like it was a disconnect. Now, the players seem to genuinely love the coaches that they play for, for the most part. So now the players are playing for their coach along with themselves. Before, it just seemed like players was playing to go to the league. And you plan to go to the league, you don't care about your brother beside you. You're going to be selfish. So now it just seems like those boys is body in you see all the receivers celebrating when Van Jefferson catches a touchdown. All the receivers celebrating when Freddie Swain catches a touchdown. Whereas right. before, it was a little bit more individualism. 
That's the camaraderie. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, and most of that's built um, right now during the off season, and these when these guys build these bonds. Rat, what's your next move, man? You you want to be an on the field coach, or you are you an off the field guy? What what do you want to do with this career? Uh, honestly, I want to be a Florida Gator. That's it. Like I really don't want to go nowhere else. I told him I I'll take this job and, and do this job for the next thirty years if I could. Like I I'm only reason why I'm in Florida was to be close to Gainesville. Like I don't have fam all my family in Ohio. University of Florida is my family. That's the reason why I moved to Orlando when I got drafted. That's the reason why I'm in the state of Florida. So if I can stay attached to the University of Florida by any means, yeah, I would love to be like Odell Hagan is at at Florida State and be the all time D B coach, but I'm happy where I am. I like all that energy, man, but we're gonna get you on that field eventually. I'm gonna speak it into existence. You know what I'm saying? That that that's the ultimate goal, but yeah, I ain't Already. No I'm a gator. Already. I like that energy, man. Appreciate you for coming on and hanging out with us, man. The fans gonna love this. Uh, you know, I come on anytime, man. Y'all talking gator ball, man. I talk that for fifty hours a day. Don't threaten me with a good time, bro. I'll call you next week. I'm <laughs> <laughs> throwing out words like that. Yeah. Y'all know me. Y'all, y'all know that I sit there and talk ball all night. Man, we, we use two All-Americans on this show, man. I'm going to hit you up next week, man. You got time? Yeah. <laughs> I don't got time for you, big dog. All right, man. All right, bro. Appreciate Thank you, Rat. I appreciate y'all. We Go appreciate Gators. It. Go Gators. That's full circle. I remember when I first started getting into the the writing business, uh, and I was covering seven on seven uh, down at IMG in like 2012, 2013, whenever it was. And uh, Keywan Ratliff and Gus Scott were coaching. Man, I was I was starstruck. Those are two guys that I watched growing up. So uh, it's awesome to see uh, Rat, uh, you know, on staff now. But uh, you know, really cool to see where he's taking his career from uh, from just being a seven on seven coach. I was doing it for fun to turn into a career. So shout out to him. Absolutely. Shout out to Rat, the Rat Pack. Um, I met Rat before when I first started doing this podcasting thing. Him and Josh Newberg uh, have a real close relationship. They're friends. So I met him directly through Josh Newberg. Real cool dude. And um, I, I didn't I didn't foresee he was real comfortable with the 707 thing. So to see him get, get comfortable in his recruiting thing, be settled in at UF is dope. Everybody's uh, moving up around here. Ahmad. It's that time of the show, bro. We need that word of the week for my man, Dappy Dan. Hey, this, ain't, this ain't even a black person word, but it's something that, <laughs> like, <laughs> so like all, like, all, like, majority of all black women wear Dan. Dan, you know what a bonnet is? Like on your head? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know what a bonnet is. Yeah. Do, do, your, do your wife wear bonnets, Dan? No. Like, like, is she, like, is she are wears you, bonnets? Like, are you too? outside of your mind? Is she, she is not a pagan. <laughs> <laughs> man said a pilgrim. Hey, well, hey, Ma, don't be calling my old lady no pilgrim, bro. <laughs> I, I ain't calling no pilgrim. Oh, Dan called her a pilgrim. Yeah, I grew up. My mom wearing the bonnet around the crib. You know what I'm saying? You go, you know. I just want to know, Dan knew what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bonnet. No, these are. I, I know what you're talking about. I mean, the, you have the pilgrim bonnets, but the, those are the ones for like hair, right? Like for curly hair and all that stuff. Put product in there, then you put it over it, right? Yeah, yeah. What yeah. kind of product are you talking about, Dan? I, your, your wife product in her? Dan wasn't no. slapping no black cheeks in college. Amon, I just told you she doesn't <laughs> bonnets. Um, 
No. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I know. Um, and then they wear like little moo-moos and and all that as well. I got you. What's a moo-moo? You know, like a uh, you know, like a nightgown. Nah, man. That's a, it's, it's called night. Called night clothes, man. I'm gonna night tell you something. Man. I'm already letting her come to bed with a with a with a um with a bunnet on. The moo moo ain't happening. Moo moo ain't happening. I need a slip or something. I just slip. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Straight, straight <laughs> one for the other. I got you. All right. Yeah. Plus, I had a slip. <laughs> I need a slip. I don't even know they called a moo coming to bed. That's for sure. Okay, very good. Yeah. I see. I didn't name it. That's just that's just what the white folk call it. <laughs> very good. That's a good conversation. I like the way we're yeah, all. Yeah, I like that. I appreciate figure, that. Mom. We got to figure out this culture. You know what I'm saying? We, we're here to bridge the gap. I, I like appreciate it. that. Good job, fellas. No, you you helping us out too. I didn't know what a moo was. No, I, I don't. That's I'm, what I'm here for. I'm, I'm asking my wife when I go downstairs, do she want me to buy her moo So <laughs> I wouldn't do that, Ahmad, especially at, you know what? Let us know next week how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Let's get into it with my man Brian Johnson. Um before we get him on, uh, of course, it's brought to you by Brun Insurance and Financial Services. Shout out to my man Greg, always hanging out with us, uh sponsored with us here sponsored with us on big three roll up uh sponsors our live events you guys need anything insured hit my man up nine five four five eight nine two two zero four i have an insurance policy with dan um car insurance greg? yeah with greg so does yeah. dan yeah dan has an insurance policy yeah dan, yeah, dan has insurance with him too that was my next thing i was gonna yeah. say i have it then dan has it but we have insurance with him so we don't just talk about it we be about it hit my man greg up again nine five four five eight nine two two zero four let's hang out with brian johnson and talk some more gator football man let's get elite guesses what we do you have now arrived at stadium and gale and joining us for the first time on Stadium and Gales, University of Florida, quarterback coach, offensive assistant, Brian Johnson. Brian, how are you doing this evening? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Very good. Very good. Brian, thanks for, uh, for joining us uh, today. I uh, want to talk to you a little bit about just, you know, kind of your, your beginnings and uh, ultimately you getting connected with, uh, with Urban Meyer and, and Dan Mullen way back in the day at Utah. So uh, ultimately, what was it that you uh, drew you and attracted you to, to Urban Meyer and Dan Mullen? Uh, as a guy from Texas, ultimately going out to Utah to play for them? Um, you know, it was a couple of things. Obviously, you know, I really wasn't like a very highly recruited uh, player coming out of high school. Um, you know, there was a guy that played before me that, I, you know, that I sat behind my junior year and played, you know, DB and wide receiver. A guy named Drew Tate who ended up going to Iowa and was a four-year starter. So I didn't get a chance to play a bunch as a junior at the quarterback position. So I was kind of a late eval. Um, you know, and I remember, uh, coach Mullen came out and watched this practice in the spring. Um, and we started, you know, communicating from there. And, and I remember he came to the second, the second game of, uh, my senior year and, uh, we were playing like Pasadena Doby and, you know, we lit it up. I was like 22 for 26. And, uh, you know, he called and offered after the game and, you know, recruited me for a little while and I ended up, you know, committing probably around after Christmas, you know, the end of December. And, uh, you know, I went up there on my official visit in December and it was like 55 degrees. And, uh, I had, I enjoyed myself, had a great time. It's a beautiful place. And, you know, once I got there, I kind of knew this was the place that, uh, that I needed to be. So, 
you know, I got connected with those guys. Like I said, I've known obviously Coach Mullen and, and Coach Myers since I was 16 years old. So, uh, you know, I've been, been around those guys for, for quite a while now. I love it. So then you played, uh, I think it was, what, one year uh, behind Alex Smith and then ultimately one year with uh, with Dan Mullen and Urban Meyer. And then ultimately they, uh, you know, moved on to, to Florida. Uh, you stuck around for the next uh, four years. Uh, playing with Kyle Whittingham, uh, went and did the UFL thing for a little while and then back to uh, to Utah to be, a, uh, to be an assistant coach. How ultimately did that happen? And did you always know that you wanted to be a coach or touch us a little bit about kind of your decision making to get into coaching? Um. You know, it's really interesting. I really, I didn't plan on really getting into coaching, um, but that that transition year is always very difficult. From you know being kind of a full time student athlete um, to entering the real world and and really, you know, having a certain set of skills but not really knowing exactly what you want to do with it. So I kind of got, uh, you know, I was a communi- communications major, so. I had gotten into uh, you know the, the year between in 2009 after I finished playing and before I started coaching, I was kind of doing a bunch of different things. Uh, I was writing a weekly column for the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, I was like on a radio show, um, just doing different things. I was doing kind of some private quarterback coaching, uh, just kind of doing like just some odd you know odd jobs just to uh, try and figure out what I wanted to do. So hanging around I was in Salt Lake and and actually I talked to coach Whittingham before um you know I decided I wanted to try and play play professionally he had offered me a job uh, like right out of college and you know I told him I wanted to try to see if I could play and I don't want to have any regrets and just jump right into coaching and not even try so um you know I tried it for a year it didn't work out and then I ended up going into coaching that very next year I love it. And then, so you spent spent some time at Utah. Did you always think that you know if there was an opportunity ever with uh, with Coach Meyer or Coach Mullen that you might chase that opportunity, or what ultimately led you and, and Dan Mullen getting connected uh, back in Mississippi State in 2014? Well, the, the I mean, we had always stayed connected, even when they went to Florida. Um, you know, I've always been really, really close with Coach Mullen. We had, we would talk and communicate. I remember I even came out. Uh, to Disney World when I was in college, we came out to Orlando and and I saw him out here. Um, so he was always someone that you know I've always had a relationship with, and to me that's you know that's that's part of coaching as well. So when you kind of build those relationships through the recruiting process, you know I always tell guys you never know how how things end up shaking out in the end. So um, like I said, that that re- that relationship was never lost. So it was always a situation where. Um, we stayed in stayed in contact throughout the years, and you know, an opportunity presented itself, and and uh, you know, it was obviously mutual um, interest, and, and it was beneficial for for me and, and for my family. So uh, we ended up getting a chance to come work for Coach Mullen. And then, and then ultimately, you left uh, for for a bit to go to Houston, and then ultimately, Dan Mullen took the job at uh, at Florida a year later. What did that conversation look like, and what what drew you back to uh, to, to Dan Mullen and, and the opportunity at Florida? Well, I mean, you said it right there is an opportunity at one of the best schools in America. So, um, you know, I, obviously, when he got that job that, that week after Thanksgiving, I you know I called him told him congratulations and I started talking and 
you know, before you knew it, I was on a, on a plane uh, coming to recruit for the Gators. So it was, uh, you know, I'm really excited to be here. It's a fantastic place, fantastic people. Um, you know, we've really enjoyed, you know, our first two years here, and, and uh, it's really a great place to be. Perfect. And so uh, I guess from there, talk just a little bit about what, what the differences are coaching at a school like Florida and not to put any other school down, obviously, but well, what are the differences of coaching at a school like Florida compared to a, a Mississippi state or a Houston? Um, or ultimately what are you, you telling these kids or selling them on when you're recruiting them? Well, I mean, you know, you got a chance to be the best of the best. And, uh, you know, I think one of the, the unique things about the university of Florida is that every sport is elite and, you get a chance to uh, to truly be around elite people, both obviously in the classroom and uh, and on on the field and, and athletically. You know, whether it's the track team or baseball or basketball or uh, tennis, you know, wh- whatever it is, gymnastics. Um, you know, there there are a ton of really really gifted athletes um, that walk around Gainesville, Florida, and go to the University of Florida. So. Um, it's truly a great place to be, and and uh, you know we're excited to be here. Awesome. So uh, I want to go back real quick, and, and I forgot to mention this. So back when you were uh, an undergrad, or you just finished your your uh, your final year there at Utah, you had the opportunity. Uh, probably just about any uh, college athlete wants to have the opportunity to be on you on the cover of NCAA football. Uh, ultimately, tell me how that experience was and, and what it was like for them to reach out to you and, and then kind of going through that process. Yeah, that was, that was awesome. Um, you know, like back then, that was a huge deal to, you know, when you get to college and you're, you're on the game, uh, you know, playing, playing the NCAA game with all your teammates and all your boys. And, and when, we finished, when, when we finished our career, uh, I got a call from EA Sports and I ended up working out a deal. I was, you know, I was really, obviously, really, really excited for that opportunity. It was something that, you know, I'll never forget. And it was really special uh, to get, you know, to get that phone call and come back to the game. It's something that, uh, you know, that I think it was a really, really special deal. Coach, doing the recruiting. You got me? Hello, Dan, you got it? I got it. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, sorry about that. Um, you spoke about the recruiting process earlier. Uh, in the pro in the recruiting process, when you guys are evaluating evaluating quarterbacks, what exactly are you looking for in in a quarterback, and what's the time frame you would like one of those guys to commit? Um, you know, I think it's so much has changed um, in the last couple of years, especially with the addition of the early signing period, right? So that's kind of kicked everything up. So now. I mean, ultimately, people are making decisions based off of junior film in most cases. And, and with the quarterback position, it becomes even a little bit more accelerated where you're kind of having to make decisions based off of sophomore film. Um, and it's really unique because quarterback is such a developmental position. Um, you know, but, but for us, when we talk about, you know, what we look for in terms of quarterback play at the University of, of Florida, Obviously, you know, there, there's a standard, there's, there's statues out there, and that's the standard that everybody demands uh, when you play that position at this university. So going into it, you know, the first thing we talk about is someone who's physically and mentally tough. Um, you know, obviously there's a certain talent level um, that's required to play here, but 
to me, the thing that's going to really separate uh, great quarterback play are the intangibles. So you need a guy who can be the face of the program, um, you know, who can handle handle success and who can handle adversity. And and being physically tough and being mentally tough is is obviously the number one thing. And then honestly, got to be a great leader, great decision making, um, got to have some intelligence. You know, the, the more you know, the more we can do. And then the ability uh, to throw it accurately and then the ability to to run it willingly. So, um, you know, it's kind of a a bunch of different things that we look at. But, you know, what makes it a unique challenge is that these decisions are happening really, really early. Um, so you have to do a little bit of projecting in terms of what, you know, what do you think a guy can be in 18 months or – two years or, you know, two and a half years. So when we go out and look for, look for quarterbacks, that's what we look for. I've seen you guys offer dual threats and also pocket passes. Um, it, it's, would you guys take a guy like uh, Carson Beck ended up signing with George? We can speak about him. Would you guys end up taking a guy that, that's not as mobile? And, and like, what, what's your, what's your decision process on, on, on something like that? Well, I think the the biggest thing is do they have the ability to extend plays, right? And, and mobility comes in different forms, right? I mean, uh, you know, you you look at guys who can extend plays who don't take sacks, um, and who can make special things happen, right? And you know, there's not one right way to play quarterback. Um, you know, I think we, you know, for us. Uh, in this offense, there's been multiple guys who've had a ton of success that had completely different styles. Um, you know, I think that's our job as coaches is to find find a guy that fits that mold the best um, and continue to develop them and, and put them in position to where they can make plays. But, um, you know, the, the term dual thread and pocket passer, like we don't really get too concerned into that. I mean, you know, like we talk about those guys, obviously – you know, to win games at a really, really high level, you need somebody that can throw it. And and that's what's most important to us. And and in terms of in terms of the running aspect of it, we always just talk about can a guy be a willing runner? You know, I, I look at you know, one play sticks out of my mind is I remember the, the Patriots were playing like the Ravens, this is probably eight years ago now, and it was a fourth and one and Brady ran quarterback sneak against Ray Lewis. You know, in, in my mind, that's that's a willing run. So, you know, as, as long as you have a guy who who can do that, you'll be fine. And I've seen video clips on YouTube of um, you and Emory. Our relationship seems to be a, a very good relationship. Can you speak on that a little bit? What, what's your relationship yeah, I, like with Emory? <clears throat> well, you know, that's all our guys. Um, you know, I love Emory. Like I said, I've, I've known Emory since he was a freshman. He, uh he actually came to a junior day his freshman year when we were on the state. And uh, that was the first time I met him. And, uh, you know, it's weird because our paths up eventually ended up crossing. So when we got in the mix for him and, and got him on campus, it was, uh, it was some familiarity there in terms of us already kind of knowing each other a little bit from, uh, from a previous relationship. But, He's a fantastic young man. I, you know, I can't speak highly enough of Henry Jones. He's a he's everything that you want in terms of um, his athleticism, his talent, um, his work ethic, 
you know, he's he's fantastic. He's done a he's done a great job for us. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to uh to him getting out there this spring and and uh and continuing to to develop at a really high level. Yeah, I, we all kind of know that Kyle Trash is going to be the leader in the clubhouse at quarterback, and and that's that's pretty much expected. Uh, as far as Emory Jones and his his um, development and maturation, what are you expecting from him this spring? Well, you know, for me, I expect him to go out there and and uh, and play at a really high level consistently each and every day. Um, you know that that's you know that's my expectation for him, and that's my expectation for for all of our guys. Really, is to, is to continue to develop and continue uh, on focusing on what's important to his development, and uh, and making sure that he's putting himself in a position each and every day to go out there and and perform um, at the highest of levels. And you know that's what he demands of himself. That's what I demand of him. And and uh, you know, I'm looking forward to watching him go and get that done this spring. Okay. Uh, last season, uh, there, there was like a lot of um, concern, I guess, from the fan base. It, it, it kind of appeared, I'm not saying that it, it was a thing, but it kind of felt like you guys wasn't very confident with him passing the ball a lot. Uh, he, he was effective every time he passed the ball, but it looked like uh, he was brought in more to run the ball. Um, what do you speak on that? You, is he comfortable in the offense? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you look at it, he's, he's been here. Um, with us, you know, all of our guys that were not Felipe's gone, but they all have had pretty much the same amount of reps um, since we've been here. You know, obviously those guys had a little bit more experience because they've been in college longer, but in terms of just being in our offense and understanding what we're trying to do, um, you know, all those guys have had, you know, similar similar reps. But for him, um, you know, obviously we have full faith in, in Emory and, and what he can do. And, you know, when we're in about, you know, there are certain things that we try to do to highlight what, team, what players do well. Um, so, you know, one thing that he can do uh, when, when he's in the game is, is really affect the box count in terms of uh, becoming plus one. So uh, he has a very unique skill set. And, uh you know, he, he's done a great job with everything that we've asked him to do. Um, and I've been really, really pleased with, with his development the first two years of his career. Uh, Brian, touch us a little bit about last year when, when Felipe Franks went down and uh, ultimately uh, pulled Kyle Trask in. Um, how did the offense change? How did you guys call him the plays change uh, to, to fit maybe his skills like compared to uh, Felipe Franks? Um, well, I don't think that the offense changed. Uh, much at all, you know. I think really when you think about it, all three guys kind of run the same offense. Now we'll we'll highlight, you know, what they each individual guy does well, and you know they all kind of like certain things. But uh, you know, part of that was it was very unique because I think it was game three. It was game three, so you know I think you're still trying to kind of figure out uh, exactly what type of team you have as well. Um, so, you know, that, that's kind of some of the unique challenges that go along with, with, uh, with, with the game of football is that each year is different, right? And, and, uh, you know, certain years you might have, um, certain strengths and, and those strengths become, uh, 
different the, the following year. So um, we were still trying to kind of figure out and, you know, what was the best way for us to play and the best way for us to uh, to win football games. And, you know, obviously with, with the receiving core that we had last year, uh, you know, we felt like we were eight deep. So uh, we just started kind of chucking it around and, and, uh, and moving the ball that way. So, like I said, we'll we'll figure out a way to uh, to kind of play complementary football um, with our defense and special teams, and, and put points on the board, and, and ultimately find a way to win football games. And then uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, Anthony Richardson. Obviously, a freshman on campus this year, early enrolled, uh, a guy that you guys had recruited pretty early, uh, decommitted for a couple of weeks, maybe a month or so, and then ultimately came back in the fold. Talk to us a little bit about what you uh, liked in him, what you all saw in him, and then ultimately where kind of your expectations are for him over the next yeah, few years. Yeah, well, you know, I think one of the things, um, you know, I remember the first time I saw him, he was 15 years old. He came at a, on an unofficial visit uh, our first year here. And, uh, you know, you could tell he was extremely athletic. And I went and watched him throw in the spring, and the ball just jumped off his hand. Uh, you know, I remember calling Coach Mullen right after that and was like, this is our guy. This is, you know, I haven't seen a guy 15 years old play like this ever. Um, and, you know, just kind of watch him grow and continue to develop. And he was a really skinny kid at the time. He was, you know, probably the same height, six, three and a half, but he was probably 185 pounds. Um, and he's close to 230 now. So, I mean, he's just, he's just grown and developed. Um, you know, I'm really looking forward to, to watching him, uh, learn everything and come along. You know, the, the unique thing about him and one of the things that we look at too is you see kind of the ages of some of these guys and, you know, he's still 17 years old. He won't turn 18 until May. So he's still a baby in terms of, his body and where he's going to be. So uh, he's done, he's done a great job so far this spring in terms of picking stuff up and, and, uh, and putting in the work. And uh, we're, we're looking forward to getting him out on the grass finally, so we can work with him uh, in a football setting. Perfect. And then obviously you guys on the offensive side of the ball are going to be replacing a number of wide receivers uh, that went uh, and graduated off to the NFL. Uh, how does the wide receiving core look uh, for Gator Nation? What can you report back on that end? Well, um, we do, you know, I think one of the, the huge pluses, obviously we lost four tremendous senior wideouts and, and guys that, that meant a lot to the program and, and who were awesome for us. Um, but I think it helps the way we, you know, we play a lot of guys at wideout and, uh, you know, that's intentional because now the guys that are, you know, those guys are out the door, the guys that got to step up and, and be ready to play have all played, you know? So, you know, now you've got Jacob Copeland has had significant reps. Obviously Trayvon Grimes is, has been a starter for us for a couple of years. Um, and Kadarius Tony. So you got, you know, guys who have played a bunch and then we were able to redshirt three guys last year, uh, with Deontay, Jamarcus and Trent, uh, who are going to be really, really special players. And then we got a chance to bring two more guys in, uh, when this signing class with Xavier, <coughs> with Xavier and baby J. So, um, you know, I think we'll, we'll do a, We'll be fine at that position. Uh, of Coach Coach Gonzalez is one of the best in, in America at developing wide receivers, and 
And I say I know he's looking forward to uh to getting the group on the grass and, and getting them ready to rock. So, you know, they've been throwing on their own all off season and we're looking forward to see that work kind of show up, you know, once we get out on the grass on the sixteenth. Perfect. And then I guess my final question is is I know that there's um, you know, a, a huge um expectation for uh, Kyle Pitts this year. How does he figure into the offense this year? How do you work in uh, folks like Keon Zipper or some of the other guys that are that are up and coming in their career? But you know, ultimately, what do you see out of that tight end position? Well, um, I can say Kyle Pitts is one of the best players in America, and he showed that last year, and, and we expect him to continue to build on that and become um, just an all-around dominant player, both in the pass game and in the run game. Uh, and then we have some guys behind him and. Kamori Gamble and uh... <clears throat> hello, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, I'm oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, and you got we got some guys behind him like Kamori, and, and, and uh, we're looking forward to getting those guys out there. And, and Coach Brew's going to do a great job with them and get them coached up. You know, everybody. You know, the thing that people really don't realize, I think, is that's probably other than quarterback is one of the hardest positions to play in our offense, just in terms of the amount of information that those guys have to know uh, in terms of the pass game, understanding certain protections and blocking schemes, understanding the run game and, and how they fit. So uh, they have a, they have a ton of information that they got to process. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to, to getting that group out there and, and watching them work. Coach Brian, what's your, um, What's your role in the play calling? Like, how do you guys do the play calling between you and Mullen? I see he holds sheets, and he said in the past that you also are involved in it. So I'm, I'm just curious of how how it works on on game day. Well, this is 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 really unique, and I can say what I can tell you is that I'm sure it's not like this at a lot of places in America. So if if you look just look at our offensive staff, um, between myself, Coach Gonzalez. Coach Hevesy, uh, Coach Knox, you know, it's been, we've been around each other for a really, really long time. So, you know, like they always say, you really call call the game during the week in your preparation and, and what you like, by, you know, through your film study. And then your instincts kind of take over on Saturday. So, uh, you know, everybody's really, really involved in terms of what we like uh, before the game. And then just having such a veteran staff that has been together for so long, like I said, I've known I've known Coach G, Coach Hev, and Coach Mullins since I was 16, and we've been doing some of the same stuff we did way back in 2004 at Utah. Coach Knox has been with him for over 10 years, so uh, you know we kind of know the answers and know the adjustments we need to make, and I think that's one of our strengths as a staff is being able to adjust quickly on game day when uh, you know based on how certain teams are playing you, um, but. Yeah, for sure. I'm the only one that's upstairs, so I kind of got the eyes and the ears of the operation and, and can see certain things. So, uh, you know, Coach Mullen does a great job of just, you know, if we see something, calling it out and then just kind of go with it and and uh, and let it rip. So that's how it works on game day. Uh, like I said, Coach Mullen's downstairs, and he has his sheet. And, you know, I think you call kind of most of it in between series in terms of making your adjustments. So when you come off the field or what you want to get to, um, and I'm kind of, you know, kind of the translator upstairs. So 
Uh, Got you. You know, I can okay. make it all kind of. Yeah, I kind of see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's, it's kind of a two man thing, and um, you, I guess you you got the, the better eye from up top, so you, you kind of make the adjustments. Uh, being a guy in the box, what, what do you think was our biggest issue in the run game? I think that's a big question from the fans. Um, who's kind of we know it was a little O line blocking, but from your perspective, uh, what was the issue, and how do we get it fixed this year? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is is understanding. Um, what type of team you have um, and that, you know, each, each team is different and your personnel changes from year to year and you got to be willing uh, to find the best way for your offense to move the ball, not only in that particular season, but throughout the course of that particular game. Um, to me, that's the beautiful thing about the game of football is that, you know, it's constant change. So um, for us in the run game, you know, obviously it's easy, you know, for people to say it was O-line blocking or, you know, but to, to be quite honest with you, it's it's a bunch of different things. It's making sure that the quarterback gets us into the right run check. Um, it's the running back making the right cut. It's finishing blocks downfield. Um, but I think the, the biggest thing, and you look at anybody, um, especially to run the ball in this league against the defense that you play in the Southeastern Conference, it's all about, finishing um because it's a it's you know the difference between having a two-yard run and a six-yard run um is about finishing in the in the in in our league so you know like i said we had some young guys on the o-line um some really good backs you just had to find different ways to get them the ball so if we were running it well we just throw it to p Ryan. so uh but this year i think we'll that'll be one of our strengths is you know we got a lot of depth some guys we've recruited, I think, 10 or 11 offensive linemen in the last two cycles. So, you know, we're looking forward to uh, to getting those guys out there. And, uh, you know, they've done a great job so far. We're going to be ready to rock and roll off the ball and, and knock some people off the ball this year. Hey, Coach, you... we had uh... – Go ahead. You got it, Dan. Yeah, no, um, we had uh, Nick Savage on last week. We talked to him a little bit about his training regimen. But how, uh, how has Nick Savage been um... – you know, during the, the years that you guys have uh, worked together and, and being able to, to kind of change the makeup of this, uh, of this team? Um, no, he's unbelievable just in terms of uh, the actual results that you see from the guys. You know, here, here at a place like Florida, one of the, the advantages, you know, when we first got here is that we had a group of guys who were really genetically gifted. So it didn't take very long to, for those guys to see changes in their bodies. Um, and then once that happens and you see, okay, if you follow this plan, if you're really detailed with your nutrition, if you're really detailed with your recovery, this is what you can look like. This is how you can perform. This is how you can be at your best. Um, you know, it really didn't take long for guys to really buy into it and say, you know what, if, you know, I need to make sure I'm drinking X amount of water a day. I'm going to do that so I can perform and not get pulls. Um, you know, if I need to go sh- extra stretching sessions or, you know, if I have to have eat this X amount of calories or not eat X amount of calories, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, but, but Coach Savage does a great job. I mean, his energy is unmatched. He's uh, he's an unbelievable motivator and, and obviously – the guys that have all have all bought in. You see them on Twitter with all their baby oil pictures, which 
They enjoy. They get all jacked up, and you know, I think I think it's fun for them to see uh, see their work pay off, so to speak. Now, let me ask you a question about Kyle Trask. Is he more of the vocal leader? What type of leader is he? Um, this also, I think we lost a lot of leaders in the, in the locker room. The guys that went pro, is he one of those vocal guys? Yeah, I think uh, you know Kyle has always had the respect of everybody in the locker room because he's he's worked. Um, and to me, it's just something about being, you know, being a guy that's quarterback that has been in the program for five years and has been at this in the, in the same place for five years. It doesn't happen often. So um, there's a certain level of comfort and a certain level of uh, anxiety that comes along with it because, you know, this is the, your last opportunity. Uh, so you want to make sure that you leave no stone unturned and leave nothing to chance. Uh, in terms of your preparation and in terms of your team preparation each and every week. So, um, you know, I think that's one of the great things about having a guy in the program who's, who's been around since day one uh, and who's contributed at a high level and the guy's really in respect. Uh, but, yeah, he's he's a really good leader. I think guys will follow him this year for sure. Do you think being a former quarterback on any Mullen system um, helps you on the recruiting trail or w- with coaching these guys and earning their respect? Um, yeah, I think it has its advantages for sure. Um, for me, you know, we talk so much about with just our guys. This game time, I mean, our relationship goes way beyond the game of football. Um, you know, and I'm I'm just there really to to help them in any way that I can. Uh, so, so for me, having, having the experience of playing major division one college football, uh, understanding the scrutiny and, and the time demands that goes along with playing the position, you know, I think I can definitely be a sounding board for those guys in terms of, of, of what they're going through and understanding what they're going through. Uh, having just done it 10 years ago. Now, times have changed a little bit since I played, but, um, uh, you know, the game and the, the, the work and stuff is, is still the same. So we got, uh, you know, I think obviously playing in this system too uh, helps and just understanding just little little details and stuff that go along with it that, you know, you get with experience and then you get, that you get with reps. You know, my goal is always to kind of have to get the room where you're teaching the entire room um, and have a, have a group of, of guys who are all self-starters who kind of learn from each other. Um, I think that's one of the keys just to develop the entire room and not just develop one guy. Um, so, you know, you see, that's why we give guys so many, so many reps throughout the course of spring ball, uh, with, with just various groups and throw them in. So when they get into the game, uh, they're, they're absolutely 100% ready to play. And Brian, you guys have obviously been together. You, Billy G, Havasi, Mullen. Uh, Knox have been together for a long time together. How do you guys uh, welcome a new member of the staff and, and taking into consideration that person's ideas? For example, you know Tim Brewster just came on board. Uh, how does he fit in? How do you ultimately? How do you guys engage? How do you guys uh, plan the offense for the week? And then ultimately, how do you guys deal with? I guess my biggest question: How do you guys deal with disagreement? Obviously, a lot of you guys have been coaching for for a long, long time now. So, how do you guys, you know, ultimately balance? you know, a lot of different egos in the, uh, in the, uh, in the coaches room. Um, you know, that's the one thing I could say is that, 
really nobody in our room has like a crazy ego. I mean, we're all there for really for one goal. Um, and that's to develop these young men at a really high level and, and try to win a national championship. So, um, Actually, I think, and you know, and, and Bruce's been with us before. Uh, he was there for a year at Mississippi State. So, and you know, get somebody that's coached that long. I mean, he knows ball. So it's just a, really a matter of of learn, learning terminology, right? So whatever he may have called it at North Carolina, we might call it something different. So it's just a matter of him just just digging in and and learning the terminology or or relearning the terminology because. Uh, you know, some of it's similar to the same stuff we did at Mississippi State. But, uh, you know, I think that the biggest thing is just understanding that, uh, you know, if our office does well, then we all do well, right? And and uh, understanding coaching really isn't about you. And, and ultimately it's about uh, developing these young men and giving them tools for life and 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 teaching them lessons through the game of football. Um, and, you know, the, the the accolades and all of that stuff will come with it if, if you perform at a high level and uh, and take care of business. So we don't really get too caught up in all of that stuff. You know, that, those are conversations that are probably better for other people to have. Um, you know, we just got to try to go out there and, and, uh, and work really hard and, and uh, put a product on the field that people can be proud of. I love it. And then final question, uh, question here, Coach, is, is what are you most looking forward to uh, in spring practice here? Um, you know, I'm I'm really interested to see uh, a couple things, really. It's just, you know, just some of our young players who we redshirted, you know, the three receivers that I talked to you about, a couple of O-linemen that we talked to you about. Anthony, I want to see what those guys can do. Um, and then, you know, from, from the older guys, I want to, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing those guys kind of take the, take the drills over and you know they've all been in the system for over two years now so um you know they all understand the why so you know for from us especially from my position it's just understanding okay well, those guys audible and out of stuff getting us to the right place getting us in the in the great looks uh for us to move the ball up and down the field so um it's always a challenge in spring ball um you know coach grantham is it's tough to deal with on a, on a daily basis. I mean, it's so much defense that you got to deal with uh, in terms of, of what they install on defense. So we see multiple looks at things. And, you know, for us, it's just now about taking that game, you know, a higher level mentally and, and putting us in the best position as an offense from, from the quarterback spot and getting us in the right plays and, and playing at a really, really elite level uh, day in, day out, consistent, um, and everything that we do. I love it. Well, Coach, thanks so much for for hopping on with us this weekend. Um, you know, it's, it's been a pleasure to watch you and, and a pleasure to watch the offense return to Gainesville after a uh, you know six seven year uh, hiatus. So we appreciate that, and uh, you know, I hope you have a good rest of your uh, your spring uh, camp as you guys get started here pretty soon. And uh, yeah, other than that, go Gators. And, and why don't you let everybody know where they can follow you on social media and all that? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh... I'm on Twitter. Give me uh, BD Johnson three. You can find me on Twitter. I'm uh, Instagram at Coach BJ three. So yeah, y'all hit me up. Get my followers up, man. 
We got Absolutely. you, coach. You you humble, <laughs> you humble on these social media streets and on the recruiting trail, but you you're a silent hey, you killer know, out here. We see you, man. Hey, you, yeah. you know what, man? I, the, the internet ain't I ain't all about all the capping on the internet. So <laughs> I uh, hear you. <laughs> uh, I kind of do I kind of do my deal and like you say, move in silence. But it's all it's all good and fun. We got we got enough for them people in the street. So I let them have that. Yeah, we gotta get uh, Coach Coop on here. He real, he real hyping these Twitter yeah, streets, man. Yeah, we gotta yeah. get him on here. <laughs> He's like, concerned about to fire him up to, for for putting the, the TikTok tweet out there on him. <laughs> so I'm, I'm waiting for that tomorrow. You gotta teach him how to do like uh, the Harlem Shake or something, man. You gotta teach him some dance moves. <laughs> my man, my man, Coach Turner out there with the TikTok. I gotta, I gotta get on about that tomorrow. <laughs> all right, man. Just keep that offense firing on Saturdays. We'll, we'll be okay with you off of social media. It's all good. Appreciate it. Y'all have a good one. Appreciate y'all for having All right. me on. All right, man. Have Appreciate a good one. Appreciate it. Coach Brian Johnson. Humble fellow. Humble man, man. But um, like I say, a beast in his recruiting streets. He got the day area, works a little Texas. But also, um, working in that top box, man. Play calling, developing these quarterbacks. He's Long we keep him the better, man. Absolutely, he's got a uh, he's got a good roster of quarterbacks right now. Trask and Emory, and then you know I think that Brian Johnson, one of the guys that he handpicked, is going to be. Or uh, pardon me, not Brian Johnson. Sorry, Anthony Richardson, a guy that he you know handpicked, is going to be a guy that I think you know really thrives in this offense. So I'm excited to see what uh, what he's able to do. Uh, you know, so far what he's been able to do with Kyle Trask, Felipe Franks, you know, and hopefully Emory Jones here soon uh, has been nothing short of amazing. So uh, you know, big shout out to him, Ben Mullen, uh, and the rest of the offensive staff. Man, we got to keep these dope interviews going, man, um, with all this. Another week, another epic show, fellas. How y'all feeling, Ooh. man? This is, how's, this is one of our better ones, boys. Yeah, bro. How's it feel to be a part of greatness, man? Yeah, momentum. A lot of momentum, Dan. Lot, I mean. <laughs> so that, that's, that's four staff members in three weeks. Who do you think we can get next? Stay tuned next week. Shoot, we may have to get, we may have to shoot out a shot of Tebow right now. The way I'm feeling, you never know, bro. You know what I'm saying? I'm feeling like we're in our bag right now, and um, we're kind of mimicking the team. I think our trajectory is just like Dan Mullen and and, and these guys, man. We're doing ten win shit, and this is leading to to some um jury of some sort, some type of <laughs> podcast championship. I'm here for it, whatever it looks like. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm and I, I need another ring to, to, to my repertoire anyway. So yeah, I need I need I need one ring, you know. Oh man, damn! I just need to be an All American, or just give me a, a a varsity jacket, whatever that is. You know, we gotta do the varsity jackets. I gotta get a, I gotta get on TJ about that. He been slacking. Uh, we got we gotta do the Letterman jackets this this fall coming. I got the song this week. I love it. Hey, before you do that. Um, Again, we want to give a big shout out to everybody on Patreon. Uh, all of you guys got to listen to the Brian Johnson interview on Sunday night after we uh, we got it done. But big, big shout out to everybody that's joined. We really appreciate it. That's Patreon. That's p a t r e o n dot com slash Stadium and Gale. Um, and as always, you know we've talked about it before. Um, you know we do this. We do the show for you guys. So we want to continue to do it for you guys. Uh, but if you're a business that thinks you might be able to uh, to thrive with uh, the network of listeners that we have, uh, mainly scattered all across America, but you know. And mainly down here in the southeast but if you're an e-commerce business a local business there to Gainesville Orlando Tampa South Florida 
we'd love to talk to you. We've got really good rates, we think, but but ultimately, uh, you know, be a part of Gator Nation, help get your brand out there. We want to do whatever we can to help you. So uh, again, reach out in our DMs, hit up any of us, and, and we'd be more than happy to point you in the right day, uh, right way. But again, thanks to everybody that supports us week in and week out, and thanks to you guys, the listeners. The last two weeks we've had have been absolutely unbelievable. So thank you for for sharing it, posting it on on Reddit, all the message boards with your friends and everybody else. So thank you guys. Already, man. Appreciate the the love and support from the fans as well, man. Y'all y'all rocking with us. Y'all see the hard work and y'all show y'all appreciation each and every week, bro. Gotta love it. Um, song song this week. Um, I'm switch it up a little bit. I usually go heavy hip hop, but I'm I'm, I'm more of an R and B dude when I'm over here chilling with the bunny and the moo You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> let me get uh Burhana. Great love. Hmm. His name's hmm. Brianna, right out right from from Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia area, man. Atlanta, Georgia, very good. Yeah, smooth cat, real smooth oh. cat. Same corner, same time next week. Already. Yes, sir. Congrats, Rod. I uh, appreciate it, fellas. Congrats, my dude. That's right, Cam. Down the sway, close my tab and hit your place. Stumble through the swivel gates. Dap your dumb man on the way. Go to elevator ways. Three bucks while it elevates. Forty stories up in space. All these stories up in space But I'm feeling for your energy <laughs> Snap out it when I'm sober You used to be my lovely But them lovely days is over Oh, oh, oh Red love Hungover Sunday love Come over no stand love Maybe someday hey, Love, great love Come over no stand love Hungover Sunday love Maybe someday hey, Sliding through your marble floors this judgment warped Solace in your innermost But it's all the same Thank Ask me why I'm always high Roll it for I answer why You say that it's time to go Flying 40 stories down below But I'm feeling for your energy
time, so you should know. Cop this one way out to Mexico, cause you compress my soul and call it love.